This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And just today, we uh, brought back the Free Talk Live Twitter uh, profile, I guess. Uh, the, is that what you call Twitter accounts? Twitter account, I suppose? Uh, you can go to twitter.freetalklive.com to sign up to receive those, I suppose, the, the tweets as they are called. I'm still not fully convinced that yeah. it matters, but uh, some people seem to think it's important. The marketing guys think it's really important. They heard about this Twitter stuff and they're like, go Twitter! And they think MySpace is important too. They're, they're, they're convinced of it. <laughs> I thought that I was going to be able to link up the Facebook account that we have. The Facebook page, Free Talk Live Facebook page, is, is pretty popular, I would say. I mean, yeah. it's, it's actually got more members on our Free Talk Live Facebook page, uh, or more fans as they are called. We've got uh, over 3,000 there, and that's, I think, about 1,000 more than we have on our email list, which we've been building for years. Yeah, the updates. So, uh, updates.freetalklive.com. Yeah, so uh, so basically, recently, I've, I've started, just very recently, started essentially sending whatever updates I have that I send to the updates list also to the Facebook page, which is fine. That's been working out. But the Twitter thing is only 140 characters, so I can't even take my Facebook updates and copy them word for word to Twitter. So I'll have to do a little bit of uh, editing and trimming and, and pruning to uh, to even get them out over Twitter. And our Twitter, you know, we've never really promoted Twitter because it's never really been officially on board with the show before today. Uh, so who knows? Maybe it'll blow up and we'll have uh, thousands and thousands of followers on Twitter, but... We'll see. Twitter.freetalklive.com. That's uh, brand new today. Also brand new, the uh, Free Talk Live, and uh, Wayne and Mark here, of course. So the Free Talk Live, you are distracting me. Wayne. I'm, I'm tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> also new today, listen lines are back. We, uh, we had a problem over uh, the last week with our old phone numbers for the Free Talk Live listen lines. This is the phone number that you can call from any phone, as long as you can call long distance. And if you if you have to pay for long distance, then you'll have to pay for the listen line. Uh, but a lot of people have the free long distance or nights and weekends and that kind of thing. And, of course, uh, that, that works out well for this. So if you dial 760-569-7752, that's 760-569-7752. Uh, and that number is constantly on our website, on our Listen Live page there. You can listen to Free Talk Live around the clock via your phone, your cell phone, or your landline, or whatever. So the Listen Lines are back, and uh, hopefully with a, br- a brand new provider that is not going to flake out on us. So all is well. All right, 800-259-9231. Last night, I said we were going to talk about secession, and we never got around to the story, because... Those folks over there in uh, neighboring Vermont, we do this show from New Hampshire, but the the folks over there in Vermont, they've got it together as far as their secession movement is concerned. I would say that the uh, Vermonters are the people in this country today who have the most notable, the most noteworthy secession movement out there, or independence movement, as you might want to call it. I think declaring independence maybe sounds a little more uh, positive than secession does, but to me they both mean the same thing. Uh, these guys have been getting press for, for years, and of course it hasn't resulted in Vermont seceding, all of the press that they've gotten, but it can't be bad. Uh, it's when it, Whenever I think about a secession movement, I think about the people over there in Vermont, the Vermont Second Vermont Republic, as they're called. And within the last week, they got some coverage over at Time Magazine. And so I'm going to share that story with you here, and you're welcome to comment or bring up whatever's on your mind. 
The president on Wednesday may have reassured Americans that the State of the Union is strong, but just the week before, a group of Vermont secessionists declared their intention to seek political power in a quest to get their state to quit the union altogether. I'm with them. Yeah. Uh, on January, I wonder if we could secede uh, Cheshire County over to Vermont after uh, Vermont secedes. <laughs> oh, you don't want to go? <laughs> no, we should just secede on our own. Just if if it can't happen at a state level in New Hampshire, then uh, we should just call individual secession and secede this this landmass as uh, the free land of Keene. Anyway, uh, I think it's possible. I think we can, uh, with the Free State Project coming here to New Hampshire, I think we can make this happen. But let's look to Vermont and see what they're up to. On January 15th, the state capital of Montpellier, uh, nine, nine candidates for statewide office, gathered in a tiny room at the Capitol Plaza Hotel to announce they wanted a divorce from the United States of America. Thomas Naylor, age 73, one of the leaders of the campaign, said... Uh, he said, for the first time in over 150 years, secession and political independence from the U.S. will be front and center in a statewide New England political campaign. A former Duke University economics professor, Naylor heads up the second Vermont Republic, which he describes as a left libertarian, anti-big government, anti-empire, anti-war, with small is beautiful as our guiding philosophy. Sounds pretty agreeable. To yeah, me. all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with what he says as, uh, as far as his planks, but you know, I just, I, I don't trust him over there. But how is he going to get the support of the majority of Vermonters to really get that going? Well, they don't have a majority yet, but they do have a, I think a, de- a decent starting percentage. We'll share that in a moment. The group not only advocates the peaceful secession of Vermont, and I think that's a very important point, mm-hmm. because uh, some of the people out there that might be uh, fans of the idea of secession, maybe of the more gun-polishing type, the more saber-rattling, let's-do-it-with-violence kind, and I would not want those folks associated with any secession movement that I would want to be involved in. Uh, if there's going to be a secession movement, or when there is a secession movement here in New Hampshire, it's going to be a peaceful one, just like these folks are doing it out there, because that's the only there's way to work. a secession movement in New Hampshire. It's just not probably not as uh, evolved as this one. Well, there is a, there's a Facebook group. Uh, that has a couple hundred people on it, and I don't have an easy way for people to get to that. I don't. Uh, there's going to be a URL, I think, coming out soon for that. But as of right now, you'll probably have to just search around for it. But nonetheless, you're right. There is some sort of movement here, Mark, but it's not as well formed. It's not as uh, organized, and that we need to compete. We need to step up. Uh, the activists, the liberty activists here in New Hampshire, need to step up and compete with these people in Vermont to see who can secede first. Really. Uh, So the story here, according to Time magazine, the group not only advocates the peaceful secession of Vermont, but has even minted its own silver token valued at twenty five dollars. And as part of a publishing venture with another secessionist group, runs a monthly newspaper called Vermont Commons with a circulation of ten thousand. According to a 2007 poll, they have support from at least 13 percent of state voters. Campaign slogan, Naylor told me, is imagine free Vermont. In his fondest imaginings, Naylor said Vermonters would not be forced to participate in killing women and children in the Middle East. Second Vermont Republic's gubernatorial candidate is Dennis Steele, 42-year-old, hulking, Carhartt-clad, fifth-generation Vermonter and entrepreneur. He owns Radio Free Vermont, an internet radio station, and honchos an online venture called ChessManiac.com. Steele says that if elected, his first act in office would be to bring home Vermont's National Guard from overseas deployments. He says, I see my kids going off to fight in wars for empire 10, 15, 20 years from now, said Steele, who served three years in the U.S. Army. People in Vermont in general are very anti-war, and all their faith was in Obama to end the wars. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, did you get the change you wanted? They can't even look you in the eyes. Yep. 
And, and by the way, that is what they've got right now, because I think it seemed to me this whole thing cooled off a little bit when Obama was elected. But in the last year, uh, we, they've seen even his supporters in Vermont, and there were a lot of them. Everywhere you go in Vermont, I, I drive through Vermont a lot. There's a lot of Obama stickers, 08 stickers still on cars. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there's, these people are so disappointed in, in his um, welching on his promise to get the troops out of Iraq, him sending more troops to Afghanistan and Pakistan... Uh, to stop the wireless wiretaps, which he hasn't. He's expanded, if anything. Mm. All those things, these people are very disappointed. And, and you're right, they won't look you in the eye. So you've got to have an alternative for them that doesn't feel like they're selling out to the Republican side either. Right, because I think this is really an ideal time to be talking about secession. This this particular presidential administration is a uh, it's really a perfect storm almost because on one side, if it had been George Bush... Uh, and I was all in favor of secession back then, too. Let me make it clear for anybody who's brand new to the show. I'm no fan of either Republicans or Democrats. But if it were George Bush that were still in office for whatever reason, then the Republicans would be impossible to get them behind uh, seceding. It would be impossible because their man's in office and he's 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 having wars and Republicans love war. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and I'm making general statements. And they're here. afraid. The, the Republicans are afraid. Well, you listen to Republicans, and it's always about, oh, we have to do this to stay safe. From the terrorists. Well, from the, the terrorists. terrorists. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, I, I don't uh, – Republicans are really big ten. I think conservatives, by their nature, don't like change, and I think secession is going to be difficult to get conservatives on board with unless they're sort of the ultra-conservative uh, uh, wing. But, but I, don't you think they'd be more likely to support it with a Democrat in office and with yes. Democrats controlling Washington, D.C.? Oh, yes. And also kind of the New Hampshire-style Democrats. These are kind of the Democrats that own guns. That's how they are up here. Yeah. I think they might be a little bit more friendly toward the idea of seceding with an Obama administration as well. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kid Essentials, the nutritionally complete drink with 25 essential vitamins and minerals and probiotics to help support your child's healthy growth. Visit us at kidessentials.com. Calling certain foods bad or good doesn't go very far in helping kids understand about balanced diets. Discuss the powers of foods. Carrots are good for your eyes. Fish keeps your heart strong. And how they work together to help kids grow, and they'll remember it even better. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Just dial on in toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download. They're yours for free. In fact, they go back even further than they ever have. Uh, in our podcast now, instead of the last six shows, and you have to go to the torrents to download the last year's worth, we're now just giving you a full, over a year's worth of shows right there in our podcast. And uh, it's going to grow up to a full two years of shows as we uh, finish out or we play out through uh, through 2010. So by the end of 2010, you'll still be able to go all the way back to January 1st of 2009 in our podcast and click and download whatever shows you might want all free for you at freetalklive.com. And uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies, that's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the real, detailed news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. You can go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. That's freedomsphoenix.com. So we're talking about secession, and I think it's a topic that 
deserves a lot more conversation. I think it deserves conversation at the dinner table, at uh, the workplace, wherever it is you're having uh, discussions with people about issues. I think secession is a legitimate concept. It's a legitimate idea, and it's an idea that's t- uh, its time has come again. Mm-hmm. Uh, its time has come to happen in a peaceful manner, and it's we're, we've got communications to the point today via the internet to where this concept can spread and i think this is doable you know i think that there are some intermediary steps though for example uh, nullification is, is is a really good one for example the real id act a lot of states nullify that so they they couldn't implement that indeed uh, and so i think uh, secession should be a last resort because it's not that easy especially if you're not if you don't have a seaport like vermont doesn't I don't know about that. I mean, there are plenty of countries over in Europe that don't have seaports. Yeah, that's true. They're all right. But it's easier to be your own independent nation if you have a seaport. It's probably true. Uh, But nonetheless, as long as the uh, countries around you aren't shooting down the planes that are flying into your your country, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And I I don't... Doesn't seem like Oklahoma and uh, you know Kansas and all of those other mid uh, midpoint states are really going to be shooting at each at each other. But what do I know, right? Anything anything could happen. I well, I, I can't talk about what things are like for Oklahoma or Kansas. I can't speak to that. I I'm, I'm here in New Hampshire, and I think that it's a very viable uh, option for the state of New Hampshire. I didn't yeah. move to Oklahoma for freedom. Um, I would have loved the Free State Project to have been viable in the state of Florida. I was just down there for three days, and, you know, the weather was nicer than, as far as I'm concerned, than it is up here. But it's not viable in the state of Florida. Not even close. (laughs) It's not viable in the county I was in. So, uh, you know, you've got to pick up and move, and it is viable here in New Hampshire. The weather's better in the summer, though, Mark. What's that? Weather's much better up here in the summer. Indeed. Spring and fall. Yep, and spring and fall sure are beautiful. All right, so we continue here. Uh, The story's from Time Magazine, where they're talking about not New Hampshire, but Vermont. Uh, The campaign is Imagine Free Vermont from the uh, the Second Vermont Republic, probably one of the most mature and well-organized secessionist groups out there in the country right now. There's some other groups around. Uh, There's the Texas Republic group. Uh, There's a Hawaiian group as well. Uh, The Alaskans have been, uh, they've had a a party for a while. Mm -hmm. The Vermont folks are the ones that get all the press. For whatever reason, uh, this uh, Thomas Naylor guy, 73 years old, is kind of heading things up. And and what they've done now in the last week is they've announced that they have nine candidates that are running for political offices all across Vermont, including a, a a gubernatorial candidate. Whose name is Dennis Steele, and, uh, and we're talking. They were talking with Dennis in the the story. He's pointing out that people are pretty upset in Vermont over this whole Obama debacle. In that uh, he was elected by the lefties in Vermont for the purposes of getting out of war. That's what he promised. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't. Not, didn't he, he talk about pull, pulling the troops out out of Iraq? Yes, and he lied there in the sense that he's been very slick on that particular issue. He said he set a date for the the troops to get out um, very early on, the last day essentially of his term mm-hmm. in office. Very, very slick maneuver. Yeah. Um, and of course, it costs us a fortune, uh, the United States citizens, a fortune to to fund those hundred thousand plus troops that are just sitting in tents, essentially in Iraq, not going into cities, and they're not really stirring things up. They're just sitting in tents. But um, you know, it's it's costing us a lot of money. But he always said that Afghanistan was the right war at the right time, which 
he has no evidence of, hmm. and, and and neither do his advisors. His advisors basically have uh, pointed out that there's it's it's just a political war to make him you well, know, look maybe, like he's not wrong. Maybe they didn't hear that because a lot of his supporters are essentially plastering their cars with bumper stickers that have a peace symbol in the word Obama, indeed, uh, in the O of Obama. So I think that's the funniest part. I uh, have gone to Quaker meetings all across the the state of New Hampshire and Vermont, and I've seen these uh, peace symbol Obama stickers on all the cars in the parking. Yeah. Uh, in car, several cars in the parking lot, and it just tickles the crap out of me. Um, you know, yeah, they, so they don't know. I mean, they, or they didn't know, and now they certainly do know at this point. I mean, it should yeah. be pretty clear to anybody that's not still in denial uh, about this guy. So that's why I was saying I think that that this particular presidential administration is an ideal one for promoting the concepts of secession. The Republicans are obviously against what's going on. Anything the federal government does when the Democrats are in charge, the Republicans don't like. Uh, and, of course, now he's even upsetting his people within his own party, the Democrats. He's upsetting them by not being as anti-war as they thought that he was going to be. And so it seems like a, a ripe time to start talking about getting the hell out of the uh, the United States. Anyway, Dennis Steele, the uh, the guy that's running for governor over in Vermont, and and the secessionists have nothing but contempt for the Vermont senators, Bernie Sanders and Patrick Leahy, who are otherwise considered among the most liberal members of Congress. Steele says they've done nothing to stop the wars. Thomas Naylor was more pointed, saying every time a Vermonter serving in the National Guard gets deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan, likely to be hurt or killed, Bernie and Patrick are there to commemorate the departure and have their pictures taken. With 20 or so mostly middle-aged attendees looking on, the candidate each uh, the candidates each stood at the podium to deliver a remarkably unified message. The U.S. government, they said, was an immoral enterprise engaged in imperial imperial wars, popping uh, propping up corrupt corrupt bankers and supersized corporations, crushing small businessmen, plundering the tax base for corporate welfare, snooping on the private lives of citizens, and they wanted no more part of it. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah, it does. The gods of the empire, Steele told the room, are not the gods of Vermont. It's an abusive relationship we have with the central government, says Peter Garitano, a square-jawed 54-year-old Subaru sales manager who's running for lieutenant governor. We know it's scary to leave the abusive nest. It's a comfort zone in its own way, but we think we'll do better leaving. What a great analogy. I want to party with these guys. Give them a call. They sound like they're all right. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a great analogy. It's scary to leave the abusive nest. And indeed, when you bring up the, the concept of secession to somebody, and it's the first time they've heard about it since they learned about the Civil War in government history class, well, the first thing they think of is, oh, my God, they're going to roll in tanks because they're frightened to death of the federal government. Right. I mean, that, that, that goes to show right there. If you think that the federal government is going to roll in tanks – what are you doing supporting these people? Mm. It's just What fear. are you doing sending them your money? What are you doing allowing your children to fight and die for these people? If you think that they'll roll tanks in on their own citizens, my God. And they will. Yeah. Well, I, don't I don't know, know whether that. they will or not. I don't know about that, Wayne. Uh, 800-259. I don't think they will. I don't, I, here, I'll tell you why when we get back. Okay, I, I don't think they will. Let's address it because it's one of the most common objections. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. It is the place to go. We give you all the features there for free, including the wiki. Over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. You can edit virtually anything you see there. W-I-K-I wiki.freetalklive.com. Are you giving candy again this year for Valentine's Day? Get creative, man. That is what shows women that you care. This year, get her Georgia's famous baklava. It's Osborne approved. Walnut baklava with 50 layers of melt-in-your-mouth phyllo. All the ingredients are premium and all natural. That's why it tastes so good. Shipped in a special container, priority mail, so it gets to you fresh and delicious. Order it at mandrick.com. M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot com. No C in there. Mandrick dot com. 800-259-9231. Talking secession. A topic whose time has come. An idea. It's time to happen again. And when you start bringing this up to people, you start talking about, hey, let's let's just go ahead and declare independence from this United States federal government. I mean, what do you need them for anyway? Well, some people have a tough time thinking what they like about the federal government. They Like, a lot of people have a tough time answering the question, what do you want the federal government around for anyway? Some of them will say defense, as though they're actually defending them, uh, which, of course, they're not. They're going around the world blowing things up, killing people. Right. You can't make, a de- you can't make an argument for a defensive war in the last six decades by the United States. Sorry. Right. right. Offense. So there's that, and then, of course, there's the Social Security objection. But one of the most common objections is, well, they might hurt us. If, well, secession sounds great and all, but I'm scared because they might roll tanks in here. In fact, Wayne, you just said a moment ago that you believe they will. Well, when I say when you say roll in tanks, they don't really have to do that anymore because they've got things like Hellfire missiles. They've got all sorts of stuff you can't even believe as far as weaponry goes. So uh, maybe not tanks literally, but they could aggress against a, a state if it's by itself in doing something like that. They they could I mean they, I su- I suppose they could but it's a um, possibility I have I I have a belief in sort of war and what it uh, what it, how it's changed in the last six or seven decades um, the last sort of legitimate war out there is like World War II now I've got a lot of reasons why I don't believe World War II is legitimate but um you know if you ask people that's the one they reference it's the big one WW2 mm-hmm. those those slanty eyed nips came over and they bombed <laughs> our uh, well they, they bombed Hawaii uh, the 50th state of the Union which wasn't a state at the, that point um, well we stole we got it fair and sque- we got those brown folks on Hawaii fair and square in a slave deal from from England right um, you know the, we tra- we traded the sand which islands for something from England and, and you know that, that was a our navy base and they bombed it. Um, oh, I didn't trade anything. Yeah, whatever. I, you know, I don't. It's it's just all such a- absolute rhetoric crap. The only yeah. reason Hawaii is a state is because they filled the the military bases full of white servicemen and then asked them to vote. Mm. Um, you know, and, hey, yeah. you guys want to be a vote state? Sure. <laughs> you know, the, the yeah. people that live there wanted to be left alone. Yes. Um, Some of them still do. Yeah, and they yeah. still a lot of them still do. Um, of course, uh, the civil servant jobs in Hawaii have a tendency to be filled by Hawaiian nationals, and I imagine they don't want to give up their positions. But it's just right. a guess. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be real hard to sell secession to all the federal government employees in any state. But be that as it may, um, since we're talking about World War II, and that's what I want to sort of lead into, is there hasn't been a, a sort of a, a real war um, since World War II. And I'm talking about a real in the sense of casualties of right. American service men and women. Um, I've got some numbers uh, right here from uh, a place called Guadalcanal, which is a pestilence-filled 
clod of mud in the South Pacific. Nothing more than that. I mean, it, it was nothing more than that. And the, you know, the, the Japanese had their strategic places that they decided that they were going to occupy in, in the Southern Pacific. And that's what we had to, the United States had to go in and take that one back, they decided. Um, I, you know, I don't know what things would have been like if the, if the United States hadn't got in World War One. I. I don't know what, you know, how things would have worked out with, with Japan, but 7,500 military men. That's more military men that have died in Afghanistan and Iraq the entire times we've been over there. 7,500 of them, if you consider the naval battle that occurred outside of Guadalcanal to, in order to keep it, died inside of like a month in Guadalcanal. Mm. I mean, just the bodies. And then 25,000 Japanese died. Can you imagine how much that little island stunk from rotting flesh? Oh, boy. Americans won't put up with this. They will not fight a war that there, No way. In the age of, of cameras and, and uh, YouTube and all that other stuff, we know what's going on in Iraq. They're twittering what's going on. Excuse me. In, in, in Iran, they're twittering. Just a few people have gotten run over by police cars in Iran mm-hmm. uh, you know, a month ago in protests, and everybody knows about it through Twitter. Yep. Americans will not put up with 7,500 servicemen killed in a month. Right. Well, and that's Iran where they're relatively restrictive. Or they would love to uh, to stop that information from getting out. And right. 10 years ago, would not that would not have been an option. Twittering and so all the other. Various the United States ways. hasn't participated. When I say they haven't participated in a real world, a war, real war, I'm not trying to insult anyone that had bullets flying at them from mm-hmm. in some war it was that a came semi- after that. You could call it a semi-legitimate war because at the time, the information the American people had, it looked like Japan had attacked Pearl Harbor. Sure. But then a few decades. Decades later, you find out that FDR allowed it to happen. I'm I'm really talking about deaths. I'm talking about stinking, rotting American flesh, and that's all that Americans really care about. They don't care about the rotting flesh of anybody else. That's right. right. They care about their own kids rotting and dying on some South Pacific island for no good reason at all. Um, and, and, and what about the public relations aspect of it? I mean, just think about this. I mean, people are so afraid of the federal government as is, which is why they bring up the objection. Well, what if they roll in tanks? Right. Well, uh, that's, but, that's but, the point that I'm trying to make: is that the American public won't put up with the killing of American citizens like that. And the federal government can't roll in tanks on a at, on a state and say, "All you people, settle down." This yeah, is, what would it look like? Is what I'm thinking. I mean, the the objection is always, "What well, what if they roll in tanks?" I mean, that's the the objection I've heard more often than anything else. Uh, what what is it going to look like if they bring the military into Vermont or New Hampshire or where you know Hawaii or, or whatever? I mean, are they going to occupy the streets and demand everyone fill out the IRS forms? I mean, <laughs> how, how are they going to uh, command obedience with okay, that? Okay, first of all, if they ever did that, it's probably not going to be many American troops. It's going to be foreign troops. It might be through the UN or whatever, but you won't have a lot of American troops doing it, I'm convinced. I think it will be. But what are they going to do? But it's still the cameras, Wayne. Can you imagine what it looks like for in in, in a world of of 24-hour cable news networks where there are four of them competing for uh, the eyes and the ears of Americans? I mean, just when you have uh, a major news event like an election or something, talk radio spikes and news networks ratings spike. Can you imagine if they if they sent in Chinese troops to invade a, a, a state? And, and then how would the conservatives react to Chinese troops in the street? Suddenly you've just they you've just cemented the, the the will of the average person who's in that 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 state. I mean that that changes everything if you send Chinese troops or something like that yep. in. I mean it, I, it'd be crazy. I'm not I'm not so uh, concerned myself. I mean beyond that. No, I don't believe the, that's going to happen. Well, 
and plus the U.S. military, maybe to uh, to add something to what you're saying, Wayne. I mean, the, the U.S. military is just spread so thin all around the rest of the world. <laughs> they really, really don't have very many people to send over uh, this way. But what but what would it look like, even with Chinese troops or whether it's Chinese or U.S. troops or whoever it is, it's it's in the streets of uh, Vermont or New Hampshire as uh, as they've decided to secede. What are they going to do? I mean, are they going to rattle their source, start executing people until people start filling out IRS forms again, until business owners uh, start complying with? I just don't even understand. Like, for me, it's hard to even visualize what it would be like because the federal government and all governments are uh, – they hold power over people through their consent mm-hmm. because most people are okay with it. Most people – well, I mean, they may not like it, but they go along with it because they're afraid of what the consequences might be. If you could get – a population to the point where they accept the idea of secession, you've beaten the federal government before it even happens. Before secession even occurs, you've you've already won at that point. And well, as long as you're not shooting at them like they did back in the 1800s, you know, you probably would be okay. You'd probably get through it all completely peaceful. Well, if they did roll in the tank, so to speak, at whatever they did like that, they would expose themselves as, as aggressors and thugs, which Absolutely. wouldn't be so good for the rest of the country. Who would be watching? Of course, in the media, they would try to spin it one way, and but with with all these sources of information now, it would be very difficult for them to spin it one way. Yeah, and it wouldn't be like uh, the you know the lone tax protester. It's easy for the media to spin that. It's easy for the media to say, "Oh, this crazy old Ed Brown, he's out in the woods. He uh, he's not paying taxes. He's a bad guy. He's very violent." But if you've got a peaceful secession movement that spans an entire state and involves thousands of people, then you've got all kinds of sp- people that can get on those talk shows and speak. They can they can have spokesmen, things like that. They can make these appearances and make the pitch uh, for secession, unlike some Looney Tunes guy that's up in in his house in the woods. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial on in toll free at 800 259 9231. The SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. Tonight it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site, so enjoy those on us completely free. Freetalklive.com. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we need you to vote for us over at vote.freetalklive.com. Uh, we got our butts kicked last month in the voting. Ended up at, I think, fifth place. And it's a shame, because I know we can do better. We've been in first place um, months and months and months in a row, and just uh, it's dropped off. Participation has dropped off, and what can you do about that, right? I mean, we haven't been pushing it as hard as we used to, and I don't really like to push it that hard, because... I don't like to push things. It's just not what I like. That's not the kind of thing. I'm not a hard salesman, you know. You'd rather pull. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so head over to vote.freetalklive.com and cast your vote for the show. It takes only a moment. You only need your email address. It's used for verification purposes to make sure you're not a, a robot or something like that. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. As we continue the dis- uh, the secession discussion sparked by a Time Magazine story on the Vermont secession movement, which is uh, fairly well put together. They've fielded nine political candidates, and I know that there's a there's a group of folks in uh, in New Hampshire here that are very very anti-political. 
And I tend to agree that politics is the worst return on investment that you can get, I think, for your activism dollar. But I think there's value in it still. I think the value is that you get attention, like Time magazine articles and newspaper articles and stories that are written and and done about you on the radio and television and things like that. And if you've got candidates that are actually really principled, that actually do understand liberty and can effectively communicate the ideas of liberty, then I say run them. And if you could put to, if you could put candidates in in state races that are advocating for secession, man, that's incredibly valuable because then people talk about secession. It gets it gets the conversation started. Well, Even is, poli- they, is politics the worst return on investment, or is it incredibly valuable? You need to pick one here. Well, if you if you've got if you've got uh, if you have people candidates that are principled. That are not watering down their message, then I think it, the, that's the, just a the matter of tra- finding the right candidates. Then I think the press is valuable, but most of the candidates are not that way. Most of them, uh, most of the people that run for political office, are compromised in one way or another, or they're too afraid. Maybe they are principled, but they're too afraid that if they reveal their principles, uh, that they will be shot down or go down in flames. Even if somebody goes down in flames, at least you've got people talking about secession. I think that's more important than anything else. Whatever it takes to get that conversation started. So the story continues over at Time magazine. In an independent Vermont, the group believes, would exploit its already highly developed local small-scale agriculture, its local farm exchanges, with a tax structure reform to incentivize small business and industry. By 2020, they first. I can't imagine how they would re- reform their tax structure to uh, incentivize small business more. I mean, Vermont has to be the most small business oriented, localized, economy oriented state in the union, from what I can tell. I mean, there, in in a state that has such high taxes, uh, you know, for its, uh, uh, you know, denizens there, they have a lot of entrepreneurs. People market that term Vermont, you know. By 2020, they foresee Vermont producing at least 75% of its own electricity and heat using wind, solar, biomass, and hydropower. They want to establish a bank of Vermont owned by the people of Vermont, freed from the arbitrary controls of central bankers, as well as a local alternative currency with Vermont pension and operating funds invested not in Wall Street, but in locally owned financial institutions. We favor devolution of... uh, of political power from the state back to local communities, making the governing structure for towns, schools, hospitals, and social services much like that of small decentralized states like Switzerland, mm-hmm. declares the group's 21st century statement of principles. And you know what? That's key, too, about having their own money, their own their own banks, because that's what makes taxes go up higher over time. That's what makes things more expensive like education and, and health care. So if they can have their own stable currency backed by something like the Liberty Dollar, mm-hmm. some, some model like that, that will go a long way in, in creating a viable economy there. Seven secessionist candidates declared for seats in the state Senate. So you've got one for governor, one for uh, lieutenant governor, seven for state Senate. Among them is Robert Wagner, 46, an economist who's also a computing consultant with Oracle Incorporated. Wagner, who homesteads with his wife and six-year-old son in the Green Mountain, says the current U.S. law enables multinational corporations to abuse Vermont as a as a resource colony. Citing a 2008 study by the University of Vermont, Wagner says the state stands to gain over $1 billion a year in revenue by taxing equitably the corporate behemoths that exploit Vermont's commons, which includes everything from the state's groundwater, surface water, wildlife, and forests to the public spectrum of the airwaves. According to the UVM study, for example, Coca-Cola, Nestle, and Perrier are and other refreshment manufacturers avoid $671 million in taxes for the environmental damage incurred by their siphoning of state groundwater. 
I'm not sure what all that uh, really means. But nonetheless, what about that comfort zone of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and food stamps? It's a common objection that people will bring mm-hmm. up is that, uh, well, I'm, I'm expecting to get Social Security. I don't want to secede. Well, what about that? Plus, the infrastructure currently funded by the federal government, including bridges, roads, and particularly the interstate highways. One analysis by a researcher at the University of Vermont found that the state only gets 75 cents back for every dollar it hands over to the federal center. The secessionists say they'd prefer to save their money and keep it at home. Not only would an independent Vermont survive, says Naylor, it would thrive because it would free up entrepreneurial forces heretofore held in abeyance. We're not preaching economic isolationism. We want to confront the empire. And that doesn't mean just owning a Prius and keeping a root garden. I, I, he's, he's right about that as far as the, the taxes go. Many states, uh, especially up here in the Northeast, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, um, they're you know, sort of they, they're it's tax a negative. Givers. What yeah. is it? They're tax givers, not receivers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they're tax donors, donors to the government. Yeah. They, don't, they don't make any money off of that. As far as a um, Social Security type person uh, you know, goes, I, you know, the best explanation I can give to that, to somebody who might be you know, receiving Social Security is, I, I don't think there's any guarantee the United States government's going to be here in 20 years when you're going to be getting that or whatever. Um, but if you're ready to be receiving it now, hey, Florida's wide open. Yeah, don't there you move go. Move down and get your, uh, you know, get your Social Security check. It's not like there's that many old people that live in Vermont or New Hampshire anyway because we have ice here and they fall and slip and fall and break hips on it. Yeah. That's a that's, great point. Yeah, that's true. The other thing is, I remember about six or seven years ago, they were they were questioning Alan Greenspan, the Fed chief at the time, about Social Security. And he said, well, you know, we can make the payments, but we can't guarantee its purchasing power. <laughs> that's what he said. How in, honest. In, in typical Alan Greenspan doublespeak. So, oh, yeah. That's a pretty honest statement. Yeah, yeah, but it was. But a lot of people didn't, I don't think, really they understood understand what he was saying. It. You'll right. get your... Sixteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month. Maybe, maybe ten thousand. Th- the maybe, cat food. Yeah, maybe right. ten thousand a month. Whatever it might be. Right. At the and time. at that time, you know, the the dollar will be worth so little. All you'll be able to do, uh, uh, you know, buy with that is, you know, perhaps pay your property tax and buy uh, some cat food or whatever it is. You're, you're not going to be able to pull anything. Well, off. look at what the average Social Security recipient now. How much their money will buy today compared to, say, 30 years ago? There's no comparison. Even though they're getting more now, it's much more difficult to live in the United States on a Social Security income now than it was then because of the, of the, the way the currency has been debased. I just love the story. I think it's great. Time Magazine uh, reporting on the Vermont secession movement. I'm, I'm through it at this point, but my, my favorite part of it has to be the uh, the abuse analogy, the idea that it's hard to leave the abusive nest. This is Peter Garitano, their lieutenant governor candidate over there. It's a comfort zone in its own way, but we think we'll do better leaving. Yeah, you've got the state that has all these social programs and they've wormed their nasty way into people's lives in various different manners, you know, from education to retirement and all over the place. And they really have taught people because they run the schools. They've really taught people that that, well, you need us. You need a we're the state. What what would you do without us? You'd be defenseless. You wouldn't be able to retire. <laughs> well, this is this is sort of what's funny because it, it, it points out. Um, you know what the indiv- what the individual benefits from versus sort of the collective. Well, the individual doesn't benefit from uh, you know military defense. Doesn't ben- benefit from paying for military defense in any way. Um, I mean, the United States Navy keeps the shipping lanes of the world clear. What do the other nations of the world pay the United States? Nothing. I mean, the other nations of the world get checks from the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, there's there's no point if Vermont secedes. What difference is it if whether it's Vermont or Switzerland or Costa Rica? Yeah, 
But you know the problem, the thing that bothers me about Vermont though is that let's just say they did secede. And they had people pay them instead of the federal government. And maybe, you, you know, you take that 75% and you say, okay, pay us that. You know, the way the mentality in Vermont is, is that they're not going to shrink the size of the state government. No. So they're going to grow it. They're, they're going to, if anything, they may grow it with their mentality, even though they don't want to be part of the federal system, they may become oppressive in their own way sure. with all the regulations. And you heard all the anti-corporate lingo there. They may drive some businesses out of of, of the state if, it's true. if they become the tyrants. The the advantage there is, is even if that's that's true, then one state does it and then it makes it easier for other states to do it. Secondly, in Vermont, there are only 600,000 people. So if you want to, you know... Get, in, get involved in state government. It's much more accessible at that point. And um, you, you can't, as a small place, it's much more difficult to steal people's money in a socialist uh, system mm-hmm. than yeah. it is in a much larger place. There's more coming up here. Hour number two is on the way. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Story about a police dog and someone getting arrested for touching it. Come up. Do you remember the old Libertarian Party back when it was centered around the non-aggression principle? The LP used to serve as an educational vehicle, turning the public on to liberty through the electoral process and bringing activists together to further their own understanding of the philosophy. It was also the main feeder organization for the larger movement. We want to bring that LP back. Join the Libertarian wing of the Libertarian Party and help restore the party of principle. Visit TakeBackTheLP.info. That's TakeBackTheLP.info. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching here into the second hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site for free. It's redesigned for 2010, a more web 2.0 style. Let's you, the listener, decide the content on the site. Head over to freetalklive.com and get interactive. As we continue here, a story out of the Rouse Hill Times at rouse-hill-times.com. Wow, that's a long story. <laughs> long uh, URL, rather. Rouse-hill-times.whereilive.com.au. <laughs> it's from uh, uh, Australia. That's what the .au is there. A patron at the Mean Fiddler Hotel in Rouse Hill tried to pat and kiss a police drug dog. As a result of his actions, he's been charged with several offenses. The man, 25, of St. Mary's was in a pub at 845 uh, at night. On a recent weekend, I think, when police dog Bodie and his handler walked through. Police allege the man became aggressive when asked to leave the dog alone, and capsicum spray had to be used to subdue him. That's pepper spray. Uh, He was charged with assaulting a police officer, resisting a police officer, and failing uh, failing to leave licensed premises when directed. Hills Crime Manager, uh, Detective Chief Inspector, <laughs> Detective Chief Inspector Wayne Murray said that police were conducting an operation and securing the licensed premises. He said, we'll allege the accused tried to kiss or touch the dog. The dog handler moved in and got between the man and the dog while other police came in to protect Bodie. The police dog From is a kiss. Con- That's right. A cat. The dog is considered to be part of the policing contingent, and the same security measures are taken as if it was a police officer. Detective Chief Inspector Murray said this incident wasn't a regular occurrence, and if their space is invaded, the police would take action. The man will face a local court 
this Friday as a result. So facing assault charges, uh, facing uh, assaulting a police officer charge, which is actually more serious than an assault charge. We recently had an activist up this way, Big Mike, uh, who was arrested for simple assault, even though it was on a police officer. And, well, he didn't actually hurt the police officer in the same way this man did not hurt this dog. Uh, Big Mike walked between two cops when they told him that he could leave after they'd, uh, he, he and some of the other liberty activists up here in New Hampshire had been shaken down by them in a local park. And if you look at the video, it looks to me, and this is, you know, you won't claim this, but I will, um, it looked to me like that officer, that officer stuck his arm out so that uh, Mike had to bump into him. There was only a small, small space anyway, yeah. and, he, and he, you know, he just wanted to, to take him in for any old thing. Right. Mike turned to, to his side in order to reduce his profile, so hopefully he could get through between the two cops, but it wasn't enough. Uh, he brushed up against one of the cops. And they arrested him for it. He's been held in jail now for two weeks, more than I think more than two weeks, and just was released this afternoon. Uh, I guess he did finally had enough of being in there, so he filled out whatever paperwork they wanted him to and gave them his legal name. And the judge uh, had said that if he gives up his legal name, then they would let him out on personal recognizance. Otherwise, it was a $5,000 bail. So I fail to see the point in holding off on giving uh, giving one's name and uh, staying in there for several days. I, I just don't see the point in well, that. Well, you can ask him about it because we're going to have him on the show tomorrow night uh, at the beginning of the show. Big Mike. <laughs> yeah, first- I don't. Is that your first name, Big? Yeah, Big is my first name. Mike is my last name. <laughs> and I know that this is a learning experience and that, uh, you know, at this point the activists are figuring things out. But I think you cost the system far more by using it and going to, you know, t- taking uh, convictions back on appeal and taking appeals back to the highest court you can. You co- you cost them far more than you do by, uh, you know, representing yourself pro se than you do by actually going in and, and serving sentences. And that can be borne out if you look at... Well, he never got to the court. I mean, he hasn't even gone to court yet. Understood. I'm just saying that... Activists could do more and expect more people to uh, to to mimic them if they didn't make it seem like in order to be a gosh darn liberty activist, you had to go to jail. Um, I don't they, know who's made it seem like that. It's only the people who are doing civil disobedience that make it seem that way. So if you want to do civil disobedience, you have to expect you're going to go to jail, don't you? Yeah, but but um, the expect right. If you do civil disobedience, but what's the point in not giving your name? So many times, all they want is a name, and then they'll let you go. Well, they want more than that. They want you to process. You know, Fine. they want you to give up fingerprints, Fine. your photo, your name, all of that's all of that stuff. Right? Are you costing them any money by not doing? Are you costing them some huge You're amount of money by, money doing by keeping uh, keeping you in jail? Not I mean, true. It's money. not true because they're already going to have the same amount of guards that they're. What mm-hmm. they do when they tell you it's sixty thousand dollars a year, depending on the state, it can mm-hmm. be as low as forty. It can be as high as ninety in California. Um, it, w- when they give that money, that number um, of the, you know the dollars per year, they're they're averaging it's the it's the cops that cost that money and the same amount of cops are going to be there mm. if there's 400 inmates in the jail or if there are 401 the only thing you're costing them is some gruel on a plastic tray that's an interesting point but public defenders cost a lot more than than uh, prison or jail employees do I think that there's still some value to it, though, Mark. I don't think it's the right path for everybody, and I don't think anyone's ever said that it's the right path for anybody. I don't think that's the impression that I, has ever been given, even by the people that have gone into the jail to do the things like Big Mike has done and, and Sam, our co-host, who was in for 58 days last year. 
And maybe what I've should... learned from those people going to jail is what I've just told you now. And I think that we all need to learn from all the civil disobedience and activism that goes on. And what I feel it does to some extent, I hear it on the I read it on the boards. People say things like, well, what, what, what is it about having to go to jail in order to find liberty? You know, they, they don't get it. They don't understand. And I feel that to some extent it alienates. And I think that you can have a far more effect on the system by using the court system than you can by going to jail for really no But if you reason. use the court system and then pay them, then that's – then I, I'm not saying that uh, – you know, that it depends. It depends. Are, we, are you talking about going to jail as a problem or not saying – you're not, not giving your name when you're in that's jail? That's the biggest issue is going to jail for sort of no reason. If you're going to jail because um, you can spend the weekend in jail or pay them a, uh, uh, you know, $200 for a speeding ticket or whatever okay fine they don't get their money and it, it costs them a little but don't think that you're you're, you're really socking it to the man by going to jail because you're not hmm. so so you're saying that if they have more people in jail that they won't get an increased budget i thought they get paid per prisoner um, it depends. It depends on the scenario, not from not from local uh, state infractions and tickets like that. I mean, you know, I no, I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe. Well, it'd be interesting to talk to somebody that knows a little bit more about it. I think that you know, and if the federal bu- budget, if the federal government gives more money for the more people you have in jail, maybe you're giving them money by going to jail. Toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. But on the other hand, Mark, uh, if Mike hadn't, Big Mike hadn't gone into jail for the two weeks that he was there, there wouldn't have been the, the protests that happened outside of the jail. You wouldn't have gotten uh, you know, th- this whole controversy stirred up, as, as I think, as much if he had uh, if, you know, he'd just been processed and let out uh, that once he was brushed by the cop and arrested for, for assault. There was a real movement that had started as a result of him being in jail. That is is kind of kicking up a notch every week, and there was going to be a huge protest at the jail this uh, this particular weekend, which they've now headed off by letting him out in advance of that. I don't know if the protest is going to go on anyway. Maybe it should, uh, simply because there are probably a bunch of other people in that jail that uh, that don't deserve to be there. But you know, I'm not out in Manchester, so I don't know what exactly they're uh, they're going to do. But I think there was some uh, some other things that occurred as a result of him going in there and them holding him incommunicado and them treating him uh, like dirt, not letting him make a phone call for two weeks, not letting him receive any mail. It really went to show that these are a bunch of uh, tyrants that are running this uh, this particular facility, and we wouldn't have gotten to see that had he just gone ahead and given up his, his name and, and gotten out at that point. Hope it works out. What do you mean? I hope, I hope it, it works, works out. out. What do you mean by that? I just mean that. Like what? That he doesn't have to go back? But I, I hope that likely. it all works. I hope that this, you know, the... You know the the big protest matters. I I hope that you've really shown the state for the uh, the the violent coercive organization that it is. I I hope it all crumbles to the ground because Big Mike decided to go in jail for a week and a half or whatever it is. Well, I, mean, I just you're, don't you're... think it's that effective. I think what's more effective is getting people here that are willing to take uh you know to, to take the state to task on its stepping out of bounds rather than martyring themselves. Because I'm not willing to do what Mike did, and to some extent it it is an indictment to people. Um. And it may intentionally or not, it's an indictment to people when, you know, they feel like, well, I can't be as much of a liberty activist as they can. Yeah, I don't know, uh, Mark. I mean, if people feel that way, then that's their own personal problem. 800-259-9231. I think it's been said many times that liberty activism means different things for different people. For some people, it means writing letters to the editor, running for office, and uh, talking to folks. You can, cost others, them, you can cost them more by taking them to court than you can by going to their jail. For others, it means doing disobedience and uh, going and sitting in a cage. More coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. 
the highly anticipated new documentary, Reclaiming the Blade, featuring Viggo Mortensen, Carl Urban, John Rice davies and Star Wars legend Bob Anderson is now available at swordmovie.com. The number one movie on iTunes is now available on a two-disc set that includes hours of swordplay instructional videos, behind-the-scenes footage, exclusive interviews, and a documentary on the making of a real sword. Visit swordmovie.com today for your chance to win one of many real historical replica swords, as well as the wonderful Force FX lightsabers from Hasbro. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including the Shrine of Female Listeners, brought to you by manchesterbrewing.com, where you'll see dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of the program. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. And take the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine, and you can experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines. But unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. And if you choose, you can uh, – um, there, there's a link underneath the, uh, the, 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 the search things. Ian, what, what's the link there? Proxy? Yes, a proxy. Yeah, there's a proxy link underneath each search that allows you to go onto the website and you, you'll you be doing it in complete privacy. They won't get your IP address or anything like that. So you can go to startpage.com, surf the web privately at startpage.com. All right, we continue 800-259-9231. We actually were talking about a story about a man who's been arrested for assault on a police officer for trying to pet a police dog. Uh, which is really absurd, but that led into a conversation about uh, what happens when people who do things uh, and get arrested, different techniques for handling themselves in jail. Um, some speak, some don't speak, some answer some questions, some don't answer other questions, some are pretty cooperative, some are completely non-cooperative, and uh, we, I want to continue that. Let's go to the phones here. Chris is on the line in Texas. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live, the Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, guys, I wanted to, you know, I, I listen to you guys a lot, and normally I find myself disagreeing with everything Mark says, and, and he kind of threw me off a little bit. Started, it, it sounded like he was saying, you know, just give him your name, and it's no big deal. You're not costing him anything by doing that. I just, I, 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 it blew me away because that that's so powerful in in bringing attention to, to what's happening and all the atrocities that, that the so-called law enforcement are are doing up there. I just, it, it just kind of blew me away. I mean, the whole Sam thing last year is what, that's how I found this, you know, listening to Fox news and Andrew Napolitano interviewing him and everything like that. Just the police doing these things over petty things. If you get a ticket, nobody really, nobody really notices that. I mean, that's not, that's not going to wake people up, but you're getting so much media attention out of this. I just, I really commend big Mike for what he did. And I mean, Sitting in there, sitting it out. I mean, same same to Sam and same to Kurt and same to you know everybody that's that's gone through all this stuff. I mean, you're really waking a lot of people up. And uh, if I you just, think it's I, effective, it then that's way if, if you think it's effective, that that's fine. I mean, I, I I wonder about the effectiveness. I really do. I wonder if the time the timing of the effectiveness, uh, you know, if if it's worth it, um, is what I wonder on. I don't know what the effectiveness is, and I think it's very difficult to quantify. You well, may be the for... only person in America Sam reached. I don't know. Nonsense. I, I tend to he think he got that plenty not... of mail from people that uh, that he touched personally. I saw the stacks and stacks of mail that uh, that he took out right, of that jail from the cell. Napolitano thing, and that's great. No, but... no, not just from the Napolitano thing. 
everything from the coverage he got in general on this show and uh, you well, know, the stories show, that were written on the internet. He's already preaching on the, the internet. Choir. The stories that uh, have been shown, you know, were written on the internet that uh, that made it around. It wasn't just the Napolitano thing. Well, um, the, the, you're, you're preaching to the choir on this show. I don't think that there's much, um, you know, to, you might get people to move a bit earlier or something like that, and that's that's fine and dandy. I'm talking about reaching new people, and, and this caller, uh, what's his name? Chris? It's Chris. Um, Chris said that he was reached newly by um, Sam's activism. I think that's great. Uh, but I also wonder is, um, you know, when a news story is when it's the first of its kind, then it'll get, um, you know, it'll get play. But I wonder how many times you can do the not give your name, sit in jail for two months, get national coverage thing. True. Well, for for instance, I had a party over at my house Saturday night and there were 10 or 12 people and the conversation just kind of led into some of the stuff that happens. And I said, hey, y'all got to see this video. And I played it for 12 people of the video of, of Big Mike getting arrested. And I said, you know, that's I, I don't want to get kicked off, but, you know, it's crazy stuff. Enter your own expletive there. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's showing people it's it's opening eyes and everything. I think it costs it, getting into the dollars and cents wise. You're right. It may not matter if somebody sits in jail cost wise to the state. But in the long term, the more eyes you open up, the more expensive this is going to get for them every single day. Sure. It, it does throw a monkey wrench into the system to some degree, even though there might not be a lot of money involved. And I think it also gets people to think about when you do something out of principle that way and you really aren't a hardened criminal or anything, but you want to get thrown in jail. It does get people thinking. Even even the prison guards probably think about it a little bit. And a lot of them were very sensitive to uh, um uh, Sam, when he was in. I think it can be a real eye-opener as well. Plus, uh, when the, uh, some of the other coverage that Sam got, and, and honestly, he didn't get a whole lot of national attention. That much is true. But I he, wish he would have gotten more, and I'm glad that he got what he got from uh, Judge Napolitano. Right, but uh, but there was a few, uh, there were a few newspaper stories written here locally, a full-page, front-page feature uh, story that had his picture on it and everything, and that got the discussion going. Uh, Especially sure, about cannibalism. Amongst local people. I'm not sure what... Oh, that, wasn't that, that mentioned was in that particular story? I, no, Free that was one cannibalism uh, or some some I, kind of smear. No, I don't think so. I think that was uh, Nick Ryder when he was running for uh, for political office. All right, I don't think but, so. I don't think that was the one. No. Well, anyway, whatever. Uh, my point is that it got people talking about the issue of re- the right to remain silent, and it was Sam that was choosing, and in this case, Big Mike also uh, just this past week was choosing to remain silent, and it showed people that this so-called right to remain silent is a bunch of poppycock because if you remain silent, well, they apparently have the right to keep you in a cage for an indefinite period of time and it's a, for me it was a real shocker and it and is it is a settled law from the uh, the United States Supreme Court I think from 2002 I'm not saying I consider it good law I'm just saying that they the Supreme Court has ruled on it what's that um, remaining silent yes um, okay. you don't have the you do not have the right to remain silent in the United States of America well that's what um, they tell you whenever you get arrested I know, it's part lying. of the Miranda I mean, rights yes, that's what I'm telling you Mark most people don't understand they're lying they hear that on cops and they believe that that right. to be the case Chris I want to um, ask you a question um, you showed this you showed this film of Mike getting arrested to the people in the room and I'm I'm just wondering do you think it was more powerful because Mike was in jail how much more powerful do you think it would have been ineffective if he would have just gotten arrested and then decided to get out um, and had been facing charges for assault against a, you know, simple assault against a law enforcement officer? What do you think? Well, in, in Texas where I am, I mean, there's a lot of this kind of stuff going on. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff going on everywhere. And I will say, I will say the fact that he went to jail over something makes it more powerful. He would have gone to jail anyway. Um, That's not the issue. The question is, how long did he decide to stay of his, essentially his own choosing? 
okay, well, the way that I presented it to this group of 10, 12 people, Mm -hmm. 10 or 12 people, however many were there, is I said, this guy's still sitting in jail for this. And this happened a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. And that right there, that statement makes it more powerful. And that statement is what made it powerful to me when Sam was in jail a year ago, when I started coming on board with these ideas. And I mean, I'm not telling everybody, hey, go sit in jail for a bunch of time because I've been there. It sucks. But at the same time, you are making a very powerful statement and you're giving people ammunition to use for the the ideas of liberty right there. And I think it's up to each individual, you know, how they want to handle this. I don't think there's a general message that's being portrayed to anyone. And anyone that feels that there is is just paying more attention to one message than the other because there's plenty of political news out there that they could look at and uh, if they're politically minded, get excited about. But I think it all depends on the individual activist and what they feel like they want to test out and, uh, you know, how uh, what level to what level they want to take their non-cooperation. And from what we've seen, there have been various different levels. Only a, only a handful of folks has gone have have gone as far as Sam or, or Big Mike. Uh, many people do give up information or cooperate with the, with the TB test or, or whatever, and they spend less time uh, in, in the jail as a Using result Using the of term that. gone as far is kind of like making it a superlative, as though it's better to do that. Uh, that's you reading into it. Chris, thanks for the call. No, that Appreciate was you from you. Saying. 800-259-9231. That's, uh, this is Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. They include updates. You get signed up over at updates.freetalklive.com. We will email you whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live at updates.freetalklive.com. And um, do you hate making extra trips out to the car to carry in the grocery bags? For the last few months at my house and my partner's Ian here, we've been using the Tota Sack. It's a handle made of 100% recycled materials right here in the U.S., designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. You can go see one at totasack.com. That's T-O-T-A-S-A-K, no C in there, dot com, and you can get a family pack today. It's Tota Sack. They carry more than you can, a lot more. All right, so we're continuing this discussion here about... Tactics, uh, tactics in the liberty movement, and it's become a it's a it's a discussion now that had never existed before the Free State Project because well there was never a competing tactic it always just used to be politics 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 uh, wherever it was I wherever it was you are wherever it is you are wherever I was coming from over in Sarasota well, Florida well if you did um, non-compliant civil disobedience kind of liberty activism um, which people may very well have done prior to the, uh, no the one Free I knew. State Project right me either and that's really the issue is it was such a drop in the bucket nobody ever knew about it and so um, now it's become a conversation uh and a a bit of a debate on this show and amongst uh, the activists themselves as to what's the most effective what's the best way to go about things and i'll and i admit that i think that it's all going to be necessary i think that all of the activism is important i think it's all it all needs to happen in fact i've said on this show i wish there was more political action going on here in uh, at least out in the keen area of new hampshire where we live it tends to attract the more civilly disobedient or non-cooperative types 
And as a result, uh, it seems that the politicos are kind of ignoring uh, the opportunities out here. And I think there's some really great opportunities for uh, for political action. It's a real small pond, and you can be a big fish, uh, and it's not hard. I and mean, there are only 25,000 people that live out here in Keene. So, I mean, I've even bemoaned that on, on these airwaves before. But just to correct a couple of things that you've said, uh, Mark, I was making the point that different non-cooperative co- non-cooperatives or civilly disobedient people have approached their disobedience in different ways. They're trying different things. They're, some of them are going a little further than others. And you took me to task on using the uh, the phrase, gone as far as. Like, you know, Sam has spent 58 days in a jail cell, our co-host Sam from ObscureTruth.com, last year. Big Mike just spent, uh, two, I think, over two weeks in a jail cell because they refused to give their name. On the other hand, other people, like me, when I went in there, I was relatively, uh, cor- I was cordial with the guards and you know they were uh, respectful to me backward uh, back as a result of that i answered their questions i didn't have a problem with that uh and so i went along with with the, their program to some extent and you know they didn't bash my brains in or anything like that because of it so there's been a whole uh, range of uh, of approaches and i think the next time i go in i don't think i'm going to take the tb test i already took it once that was good enough i know i don't have tb so uh that was enough for me there but when i, I, just I don't actually, think i'd take it either i i'm not, i'm not interested in getting poked I, well, it's, not, it's just a prick. It's not like a, a no, needle that they no, inject you sorry, with. sorry. Nobody from the state's putting anything in my body. Thanks. True. It does. There is something that goes in the uh, in your arm. But nonetheless, uh, so there you go, Mark. So you'd have a different approach than some other people might have. But when I said go as far, I meant on the spectrum of civil disobedience. I mean, some people do uh, more disobedient acts than other disobedient acts. And that's just the truth. I'm not saying one is better or worse. What's right for one person is different and not necessarily right for another person. And I don't attack anybody who decides they want to not give up their information or not cooperate. And what's interesting, actually, was uh, I just actually picked up one of the activists out here. He hasn't gotten as much attention as as Big Mike because it wasn't a, you know, what he did wasn't caught on video in the same way. It was a traffic ticket that he went to court on, refused to pay, and they sentenced him to four days in jail. Uh, They hit him with two two two-day, well, basically two 25-hour sentences, which is interesting to me because up here, if you get a fine, like a $200 fine, then that's $50 a day. You can you can sp- you sit that off in jail to uh, to the tune of $50 a day that you're in the jail but they're actually counting and I was surprised by this they're counting 25 hours as a full 2 days so he really only has to go to jail for 50 hours so he went in yesterday for 4 days Right, right. Fifty hours will count as four days. So, hey, that, it could be worse, right? Yeah. Uh, so he went in uh, yesterday. I brought him out there, and I went to to pick him up again today. It took him forever to get in because he actually had to have uh, a whatever the admission order is, the piece of paper that tells the bureaucrats why he's there and when he's supposed to be there. Well, no one ever told him that he needed to bring that with him to jail. He figured the jail would have had it sent to them by the court does make some sense. Uh, but they didn't. They had no idea where the paperwork was. So luckily I'd gone out there to take him out there and I was able to go back into town, get the paper from his bedroom, take it to a fax machine. And luckily they uh, they accepted faxes. They apparently can't take emails at the jail. You know, they're still in the 1980s. Uh but nonetheless, it was faxed out. He was able to get in last night, and they actually counted him as being there on time, even though he was sitting out in the lobby for two hours while he waited for the, the paperwork. Well, we waited for the bureaucrats to figure out about what to do about this and then get the actual paperwork. So point of information, if you ever have to report to a jail, make sure you bring their paperwork along because they probably don't have it. So I went out there uh, today 
to, uh, to to pick him up from the jail, and, and he was telling me about his experience. And, of course, he was in there with a bunch of people who hadn't harmed anyone, a uh, couple DUIs. One of the, pretty much how it goes. One guy was in there for one of those sitting behind the wheel of your car without driving God. anywhere DUIs. Uh, another, uh, you know, The other two were completely nonviolent people, and he even asked one of the jail guards while he was in there how many people should be in this jail. He said 50%, mm. and, and I think that's probably a little high because he's likely including the people that actually did a crime, a real crime, to get money to buy drugs. So likely if you factor out all the people that were breaking and entering and stealing and things like that to buy drugs with because right. you end the war on drugs, mm-hmm. you'd probably end up emptying out 80 percent of the jail uh, at that point. But what was interesting was what he said about uh, the reactions he got from the, the corrections officers and the other prisoners about Sam and Kurt, who are two of the activists we've talked about over the last year that have also gone into that very same jail. Everyone had nice things to say about Sam. They loved Sam. Kurt, on the other hand, no one had anything nice to say about. Really? Yeah. He's such a nice guy. Kurt is a nice guy. But Kurt has a uh, – and, he, and he's changed. I've seen Kurt shift his uh, his perspective over the time he's that pretty, he's been here. He's pretty upset about the, uh, the, the government right. intrusions. He started life. out very angry when he first got yeah. here. And we did too. Right. We've just so been here longer. Right, right. So did we. Uh, and he went to jail, and and he went to jail under circumstances that were were similarly violent. Uh, Sam was harmed when they were taking him to jail because he was being non-cooperative. Kurt um, was also being a non-cooperative, and he was also harmed as a result of that. Uh, but for whatever reason, the demeanors of the two were quite different, and they made uh, a, a completely different impression on the people that, uh, that they came across. So I, I bring this up to simply point out that each individual is, you know, in charge of their experience and the level of uh, imprisonment that they want to go that, that they want to experience is is completely up to them and how they handle themselves in that experience is uh, is up to them so two people that had similar experiences Kurt and Sam both in for weeks in the very same prison uh, had left completely different impressions on the various different guards and things like that so even though Sam was being non-cooperative there was a certain demeanor that he took on that love and respect and I think that it's powerful exactly is what it was it really 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 works and um, you know we didn't know it when we first came here we were upset and railing against the system and um, honestly I I think we we created to some extent a foundation on which the non-cooperation sort of people here in Keene have uh, built their uh, you know their activism on, which was a uh, you know it was a foundation of upset and, and anger at the yeah. system and things like that. And I've done my best to turn that around, and I you know I I don't think you uh, I don't think we're going to see us the system evolve to the next level of more voluntary interaction between um, individuals by. You know, screaming at people, being upset, uh, right. you know, snubbing people because they work for the government, things like that. I just don't think that works. Exactly. Uh, and Treating it, it, them as though they're subhuman because they work for the government. You have to give what you want to get, right? I mean, you have to mm-hmm. – if you want uh, the world to have more peace and love, then you that's what you have to show even when your fellow man is not necessarily showing it to you. Even when inhumane things are being done to you, you're being locked in a cage for something that is silly nonsense and you don't belong there. Uh, these people, some of them, they – they know. I had a conversation with the jail guard yesterday, a lengthy conversation with a really nice guy who was, I think, just a, a good human being working in a system that doesn't do good things. And so he was trying to bring as much humanity to a job that is essentially, in many ways, inhumane. And I have respect for that. Mm-hmm. And if I get angry at somebody like him and I lash out or I get a, I get mad at somebody like him, that doesn't help build bridges. It doesn't help bring them on board with our, uh, with our position. We're coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Men. 
This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Plus, coming up, I think we still have to do a giveaway of a two-pack of the Toto Sack, so stay tuned for that opportunity. And we'll give you the phone numbers at the uh, at the appropriate time. By the way, the 12-year process of public education has a dramatic effect on the mind of a child. When we enter school, many of our best personal attributes are already in place. We're curious, innovative, unique, creative, and hopeful in ways that many of us are rarely able to replicate throughout the rest of our lives. Hmm, I wonder why. Over time, school sucks those, nas- uh, those natural gifts out of too many people and replaces them with predictability, obedience, and apathy. Oh, and it's also funded by theft. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of public education. Visit SchoolSucksProject.com to learn more. That's SchoolSucksProject.com. And uh, School Sucks Podcast also appears on the Liberty Radio Network at LibertyRadioNetwork.com, which I actually just created a uh, Facebook page for today. So you can go to Facebook.LibertyRadioNetwork.com and become a fan there to keep up with the latest on the, uh, the Liberty Radio Network. Just announced that the boys at the Wheels Off Liberty show are back. Wheels Off Liberty podcast back on the network as well. So I know that uh, some people are excited to hear them because they are some funny folks. Cool shucks, Mom. All right. Uh, yeah, at SchoolSucksProject.com. We're talking about jail and activists, liberty activists going to jail. In fact, I was just at the jail here in uh, Cheshire County, New Hampshire yesterday and today. And I had an interesting uh, conversation with one of the guards, and this kind of goes to this conversation we were having about coming from a perspective of love and forgiveness and compassion towards these people that are doing, in many cases, jobs that we consider inhumane and and wrong against their uh, their fellow man. I think uh, even talking to them about um, forgiveness to the, to some extent sounds like you're depreciating uh, them as an individual. Do you know what I mean? Well, I don't know what you mean because uh, when they hurt me, I told them I tell them I forgive them. Physically? Well, one guy stole a uh, phone out of my hand, and he kind of hurt my hand a little bit when he when he did that. He stole something from me at the very least. Yeah, I don't I don't know specific. You know, I, I just think that one can say, you know, I for, forgive you, and it, it feels uh, depreciating to uh, you know some of those individuals. Just, just you're say. saying you shouldn't forgive people, Mark. Is that what you're saying? You, if you can forgive them in your heart, but I don't know about verbalizing oh, forgiveness, forgiveness necessarily. Hmm. Well, I, I don't have any problem with verbalizing it because I think it brings attention to uh, the the wrongs that they've done and makes it clear that uh, I'm you know not holding a grudge against them because of it. Publicly making that clear. Anyway, uh, I was having a conversation with one of the guards at the jail. I was standing there waiting as they did their bureaucratic rigmarole. Uh, first, it took them 20 minutes to figure out whether or not. Uh, they had the paperwork for Andrew, who was trying to, ch- or 280, who was trying to check in to the jail for a night because he was sentenced to a, a couple of nights in jail as a result of not paying for a traffic ticket. And so we were waiting for that. And then uh, when they discovered they didn't have the paperwork, had to find out if they could accept email. It took them another 10 minutes to determine that they know, in fact, could not accept email. So during this, uh, it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And since bureaucrats don't have to work a full day uh, till 5, like uh, like most people, although technically some of them start early in the morning, to be fair, uh, 4 o'clock they were getting out of work. And one of them is uh, was coming out. And I think you can still kind of poke fun at the inefficiencies of uh, bureaucracy and laugh about it and still be yes. loving towards these people. Uh, one of them was uh, was coming out, and he kind of looked at me, and he, he 
said, well, do I know you? And, and then he realized where he knew me from, and that was freekeen.com. And so he mentioned that, oh, yeah, I know you from Freekeen, and you've got the radio show. And Yep, yep, that's me. And so I'm not going to name his name, but uh, was a, he was a really nice guy. He was one of the corrections officers at the jail, and we probably stood there and, and talked with him for uh, for a good 20 minutes, and he was telling us about you know why he became a, a corrections officer and that he wanted to uh, to essentially be humane to to the people in here as opposed to them having to deal with a sadist, which mm-hmm. is also the type of person that is uh, attracted to a job where you've got a position of power over other people. There's a very good chance that uh, that you know if you're in a jail or a prison. You could be dealing with some sadistic guards. I mean, there's a good chance of that. And so he wanted to be one of the guards that was not a sadist and somebody who, when he he mentioned that when he was, uh, whenever he does something that involves uh, one of the prisoners, he thinks of them, uh, thinks of his actions as that he's committing them against himself. He sees everything as being just parts of one great uh, giant whole. And I have a real appreciation for that uh, for that particular viewpoint. Yeah, that's what you'd want in a prison guard, whether they were publicly run or privately run. Absolutely. So he was uh, just kind of telling us about his motivations and why he was there, and it was a it was a very pleasant conversation, and one that I never would have been able to have three years ago, because three years ago my perspective would have been if I were standing in that same place where I was yesterday in the prison lobby, the jail lobby, standing there waiting for the bureaucrats to shuffle their paperwork, whatever the hell it was doing, I would be fuming, I would be angry, yeah. I would be. How uh, can you do this to other people? Yeah. You're participating in a system that is violent um, and coercive against your neighbor. You shouldn't be here. But I think that. Um, well, you know, actually, I did, to be honest, I did do that kind of stuff when I was with. Uh, when I was over at the other jail in uh, in Manchester, and I, I, I wonder, money. you know, I wonder about its effectiveness. I really do. Uh, do those do, how I I was there and I didn't go into that lobby because I, what I saw were a bunch of angry people that weren't uh, spreading love and respect to those officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't go in for that very reason. I, I didn't see any point in going in there and shaming and shunning those people. And what 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 kind of effectiveness did it have? Well, the, the world mirrors you back. So if you want to get through to these people, yes, what you're saying may be true, but if you present it in a way that doesn't bring up their wall and doesn't see you as the enemy, then you're more likely to get through to them. Yeah, I don't know how you would handle something. I, I don't know what the right way to handle that would be. I mean, you've got people that are holding your your friend captive. You can ask uh, them what it, what it takes to, in order to talk to. The, well, they know, don't him. know what they're doing. They, they don't understand. They're, they're basically doing a job they think there's, they're, they've been trained to do, and they probably don't think twice about the aggression behind it. Yeah, I mean, certainly some people were uh, were upset and they were being shamed. And I asked them, you know, why, how they feel about holding peaceful people captive. That was my question to them: is mm-hmm. how they feel about that. And I don't think that's a that's a hateful question necessarily. No, well, that depends on where your intention comes from in asking the question, because you can say it in a way that doesn't exude hate. So it's something that takes practice. I can tell you that because yes. I can still drop the ball at it. And uh, and it, it takes practice because of what they're doing to people. It's very frustrating and it's very upsetting. And so it, you really have to be uh, spot on and you have to be aware of what you're doing and what you're saying and uh, the approach that you're taking. But nonetheless, my point is I never would have been able to have that conversation with that particular bureaucrat uh, three years ago with the old mindset that I had. And it was very productive. He loves what we're doing at freekeen.com. He's a regular visitor to the website. He has nothing but positive things to say about what goes on with uh, with our movement. He he was very very positive towards it, and he's he's not the only one. Mm-hmm. So if we were vitriolic and hateful 
towards these people on our website. And if we were vitriolic and hateful in person, that would make a big, a big difference in, in their impressions and their feelings about this, uh, this liberty movement. In the same way that Sam made a completely different impression than than did Kurt when uh, when they were in there, and it's because of how they treated the people who they were being uh, held captive by. You know, what I think is really neat is is Free Keen, Free Talk Live, especially was on this liberty movement thing way before it became popular. Now it's becoming popular. You look at the Tea Party movement. Look at the popularity of, of Judge Napolitano on Fox News, even. And so now Free Talk Live gets to ride the wave. In a sense, and it, yep. it seems to be building with every six months, every year, it's building. We were on the early cusp of it. I can't, I, I won't claim that uh, you know, that Free Talk Live did it all or anything like that. No. There's been a lot of foundations um, laid. But by, by the way, um, I I have Judge Napolitano's, I believe his first book, Constitutional Chaos or Constitutional Crisis, mm-hmm. and um, so you know, one can claim that it was that book that you know got me to you know sort of believing these. You know things to some extent. It was it was Harry Brown and his writings, the uh, Libertarian Party presidential candidate for the year 1996 and 2000, that brought me on board. And I know that uh, he brought a lot of the other you know long timers uh, mm-hmm. on as as well. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, a foundation. You're absolutely right. And I would never say that Free Talk Live has uh, has been anything significant beyond just the most noteworthy uh, talk radio show that hopefully has opened a few people's eyes. 800-259-9231. So come on up here. Bring your anger with you, but it will hopefully uh, be diffused over time as you keep running into people like myself or Dale or you guys that uh, that have a very uh, peace, peaceful mindset, uh, focusing on love and forgiveness and compassion. And there's, uh, you know, there's some people that are kind of still upset after they've been here for a little while, but it's got to work on them. It's got to, uh, that particular mindset has to have an effect, I think. If you're if you're around people that are having a loving, compassionate mindset, it has to be infective to some extent, right? I think so. Infectious, rather. Uh, 800-259-9231. Say, and once you're in that mindset, then it's just about communication with people. That's how you change minds, just through communication. Absolutely. And if you're angry at them, they're not going to listen to you. That's right. right. They're not. That's true everywhere in your life. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up absolutely anything. Take control of the airwaves. One of the things the uh, jail guard said was that he was afraid to go outside, or they were afraid to go outside because people were open carrying. I thought that was kind of interesting. (laughs) I was worried they were going to get shot. It's Free Talk Live. We're coming up. How long can you hold your breath? Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE.
This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch here into the third hour of the program. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Uh, Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy it on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Dot com And still to come here, we got to do a Tota Sack giveaway. We'll give away a two-pack of the Tota Sack here uh, sometime this hour. All right, we continue with your phone calls about what you want. Scott is on the line in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Scott, Hello. Massachusetts, you're on the air. Uh, good evening, Ian, Wayne, and Mark. How are you? What's on your mind, Scott? Hi, Scott. Uh, I was listening intently on the beginning of the program about uh, secession from the United States. Believe it or not, I'm all in favor of your idea maybe for different reasons than you. Uh, New Hampshire and Vermont uh, are uh, two states that march to their own drums. I know there's a lot of gun enthusiasts in, uh, in, in uh, New Hampshire, sometimes looked at upon as the uh, Mississippi of New England. But, that, but that, put that aside for a moment. I despise our government. I despise it for uh, a number of reasons. Uh, one of the things that... that, 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 that irritates me, irritates the wrong word, uh, that I loathe about our government, is our young men that are dying uh, in vain, and that's a cruel word to use, but I have to use it, in vain, for the United States, not for noble reasons, uh, but for oil, uh, for the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, for special interests, for selfish reasons that are dying. And Vermont, as you know, I think you, there was an article in the Boston Globe, did you know that Vermont has the highest per capita of dead U.S. soldiers in the Union. Did you know that? I did hear that somewhere, yeah. And these boys are coming home with no arms and no legs. And I look upon it as a selfish government, a cruel government, a ruthless government. You said earlier in your program, would the U.S. government hesitate to roll in tanks? Absolutely not. I wouldn't put anything past this government. Well, what would they do then, Scott? What do you think they would do at that point? I think what they would do is uh, what they've always done. Uh, let me give you an analogy. Do you remember there was a case in New Hampshire a while back of a dentist and, and his wife that held out against uh, the sure. IRS for, for, Ed, for what? Ed and Elaine Brown. That's there was actually right. a dentist and her husband. That's precisely what they would do. They would. It would be like a Waco, a much bigger Waco. But you've got a 1.4 million people here in uh, here in New Hampshire. If if politically. The idea of secession were popular, and it would mean it would have to be fairly popular amongst the uh, the, the state's population. Then they'd have a whole lot more to deal with than just a, a couple of old folks living up on a hill somewhere in the woods. They would send in the FBI uh, to like do what? Ruby Ridge. They'd send in the FBI, Against the DEA agents, the CIA. They'd send in a ring of agents. And they would want to suppress it because they look upon it as, as an insurrection. But it wouldn't the be United violent, States. Scott. See, well, see, this is one of the one of the big differences between you and uh, the hosts on this program uh, is that you've got a lot of anger and you're very hateful towards various different groups of people, um, usually based on skin color or religion or something like that. But because you've got that anger issue, then it, it inevitably somebody with your particular mindset is going to turn to thoughts of violence. You uh, think about, uh, you know, you focus on hatred, you focus on rage, you focus on anger. I can't anger. say that doesn't happen to me at times. You focus well, it's on to everybody, things. but it's well, how, me, you, let, how let you deal honest. with Instead it. Instead of me, I won't double talk. Let me be brutally frank. When I mean government, I mean a Zionist-occupied government. And before you say, there he goes with the Jews again, look at, look at our government. Look at uh, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. Look at other Jewish groups forcing our nation into wars, 
sending our men to Iraq, sending them to Afghanistan. I, that's not how I see it. I see a bunch of a uh, bunch of people who are in search of power. Some of them are Christians. Some, yeah, of, some of them are them Jewish. Are. Some of them might be atheists. I see a bunch of people in search of power. Some are black. Some are white. Some are Asian. They're up there in Washington D.C. and they want to rule over other people. That's where. That's why they're sending people to war because it's benefiting their buddies in the military industrial complex. It benefits them uh, politi- from a political perspective, and uh, it's all. You're right that it is selfish. Everybody's selfish in everything that they uh, that they do. So there's nothing inherently wrong or right about being selfish. It depends on what you do and the actions that uh, that you take. And so when you, Scott, come from a perspective of hatred and anger, it's only uh, it only follows that you would think that there would also be violence brought about from the government side against a, a secessionist movement, because I think that your kind of secessionist movement would be a violent style secessionist movement, don't you think? Let's be honest. Let's look, you call me violent. Look at Waco. Now, now, David Koresh had a peaceful congregation there in Waco, Texas. He wasn't going around the countryside shooting people. Mm-hmm. And what did they do? They sent the FBI, DEA agents, CIA agents, tanks, and they demolished and bombed up the whole place. Ruby Ridge, they did the That's same true. thing. That's true. That's all true. This. But they didn't do that to Ed Brown. They did a. No. Com- they did a completely. They took they a completely different tactic. They would have done that to Ed Brown if he came out and showed a little bit more force. Look. No, 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 no. Well, first of all, if they had used, if Ed Brown had used force, then yes, uh, they would have eliminated him. That much is true. But true. Ed, Ed Brown was somewhat threatening in that he was building up an arsenal and they knew that uh, people were delivering weapons out there so there was that kind of uh that aura of violence it didn't yep. he didn't get violent but he was sort of uh, talking smack. Right. He, he was, was talking puffing, smack man. right exactly he was puffing up as though he were ready for it uh were it to occur but the thing that was different about ed brown as compared to ruby ridge or waco and those were tragic horrific occurrences that there's no excuse for caused uh, by the federal government Absolutely it was. And Scott, thank you for the call tonight. Uh, The thing that was different, however, is that Ed Brown happened in what, 2006? I yeah. think is when that was late 2006 because we had just we were pretty new here uh, to New Hampshire at that. I think it might have been 2007. Maybe it, it might maybe. have started in 2006 yeah. and went, went over to 2007. Anyway, it was a couple of years ago, but in the aughts and uh, in the time in which the internet existed. Now the internet in 1994, which is when I believe Waco uh, occurred. Yes. Uh, the internet may have existed between some college campuses in text-only format, and you might have been able to send some chat back and forth and uh, transfer a file or two, uh, but th- it was not <laughs> anything like... It wasn't like, the force that it is now. Yeah. Well, you had Netscape back then, but yes, it was in its infancy, and it wasn't as widely used as it is today. Yeah, you'd have had... I mean, it, there I was more, on. There, I was on the internet back then. There, there were p- p- ways to access the internet, but <laughs> yeah, Mark created it. it. It was a shadow of its of itself today. I mean, the internet back then didn't it doesn't it didn't doesn't count for this discussion because the folks at Waco and the folks over at uh, you know Ruby Ridge did not were not certainly not connected and no one was watching and no one was paying attention. The only way people found out about it was through the mainstream media, whereas the Ed Brown thing was. Huge on the internet, as far as within the uh, the the anti-tax movement or the tax freedom movement, word got out. People came from around the country to come and visit Ed and Elaine Brown, two strangers. They'd never met them before in their lives, but they felt connected to them because, despite the fact that Ed Brown was a paranoid, uh, you know, somewhat of a nutter. Uh, I mean, he was a nice enough guy. Mark, you and I both went. We went to uh, to his home. We visited Ed and Elaine Brown's home. I was standing in the guy's kitchen. For a while, 
So uh, so we had some personal experience with this. We actually went up there, and they had a big party. I actually went up twice. There was the second time you, you brought even Laura in, uh, out to uh, – your, mm-hmm. your wife came out. There was a big picnic and a party that they threw, and all kinds of people came up for that. Uh, the, the folks from our network, Genesis Communications Network, Ted Anderson from the network came and, and sponsored it. He was cooking hot dogs out there, and it was, it was an amazing event. Uh, the, the Ed and Elaine Brown situation, as tragic as it is, because they're now both in federal, federal yeah. prison for the rest of their lives. They've lost all their property, everything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- there's, it did not turn out well, but it could have been worse in that they could have they been slaughtered, uh, and, and that didn't happen, because people were watching. And this comes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show, with Marx uh, pointing out that he doesn't think they're going to roll in tanks, uh, because people are watching. They can watch today in a way they never have been able to watch before. They can watch it live at quick.com as somebody pulls out a BlackBerry or their iPhone and begins streaming instantly to the Internet whatever it is that is going on. Mm -hmm. They can watch it then. They can watch it later on after somebody's edited it together and put it up on YouTube. Uh, there are people there, you know, we've got the Pork 411 system that activists can call up and broadcast a message out to hundreds of, uh, of email recipients and hundreds of, of smartphones as soon as they hang up the phone. So the technology has come to a point where it makes it all the more difficult for the violent people in the federal government and in, in local governments to be as violent as they might like to be, as they might fantasize about doing. They just can't get away with it now. 800-259-9231 because people were pretty upset about Waco and Ruby Ridge and that's the reason why they didn't just move right in on Ed Brown and do the same damn thing to him. And Heck, those, he was those, just an old guy. Those two events were what galvanized the patriot movement of the 90s. Right. So the more violent they become, the more galvanized people become. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Are you giving candy again this year for Valentine's Day? Get creative, man. That's what shows women you care. This year, get her George's famous baklava. It's Osborne approved. Walnut baklava with 50 layers of melt-in-your-mouth phyllo. All of the ingredients are premium and all natural. That's why it tastes so good. Shipped in a special container, priority mail, so it gets to you fresh and delicious. Order by February 10th to make sure you have it in time for Valentine's Day at mandrik.com. M-A-N-D-R-I-K.com. No C in there. Mandrik.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up absolutely anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free. Live streams are included. The broadband version of the show and dial-up version as well as a webcam. It's all there at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, the brand new Listen Line phone number is also listed at listen.freetalklive.com. To those of you that had the old number promo, for, for instance, programmed into your cell phone, make a change. There's a brand new number. You can get it over at listen.freetalklive.com. I'll give it to you here once. Uh, it's 760-569-7752. You can call that number from any phone, anywhere, and listen to Free Talk Live. And uh, if you're looking for gold or silver, uh, please don't buy until you've looked at gold.freetalklive.com. We've collected uh, several coins over there, um, ones that I consider to be good choices for people that are really just looking for gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, or uh, barter currency. Um, Go to gold.freetalklive.com and you can see the ones that I've picked out and the uh, really great rates on them. Let's continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. Dennis is in New Hampshire on the Ampline. Hello, Dennis. 
Greetings, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? So, you know, um, I witnessed a train wreck yesterday, and I thought it would be interesting and informative to share what I saw and what I learned with your, with your audience. And it wasn't a train wreck with an actual train, but with a great piece of legislation that is going to die. Okay, what happened? So, you know, I, it, it was the jury nullification bill that you, Ian, personally helped, you know, put a great, um, ha, you know, had a great chance. This, this bill had every chance of passing into law up until the train wreck. What happened? So, you know, I, I think when most people hear about, like, a pro-liberty bill dying, they think, oh, it's, it's because of the Republicans or the Democrats or the Rothschilds or the aliens or whatever people think. But, aliens. you know, having just sat and watched this thing die, you know how it happened? Incompetent oh. legislators, specifically a, a guy who just didn't dot his I's and cross his, cross his T's and was responsible for trying to push the legislation forward. Um, you know, this, this bill had two parts. There was, number one, tell all the jurors when they come in that there's this thing called nullification and you have a right to judge the law. And number two, um, require that if a defendant wants to talk about nullification that the judge not prevent him from doing so, okay? Seems They're like a great easy. idea. Yeah, I mean, two, two nice, easy, good things. And, you know, they, the way they do this, there's first a, a public hearing, and when that happens, um, you know, there was a lot of people from the public that were there, and lots of people had sent emails, uh, which was fantastic and awesome, and you could really tell that although this committee, a lot of these guys had been voting this idea down year after year for the last 20 years, they could tell that it was public interest and there were enough new faces in the committee this year that, um, you know, that this had a chance and that people were saying, hey, you know, you, you should know what your rights are, shouldn't you? Well, and they vote it down because the people from the judicial system come in and testify against it, saying that well, we shouldn't be telling jurors that they have the right to, to, to judge the law itself. It's Would you law. believe that didn't really kill it? Um, I mean, that puts some fear and uncertainty into a lot of their, into a lot of the people's minds. So much so that the first bit, the bit that says every juror that comes in should be told about this right, that seemed like a little bit scary. There could be anarchy and chaos. But the bit about look, someone who wants to bring this up should have every right to do so for their own defense. Mm-hmm. I, you know that. That in itself, I had talked to each person on the committee, just kind of one-on-one, and, you know, some of them told me flat out, you know, no, I want nothing to do with this, and and some of them told me I'm totally with you, and enough of them said, you know what, if it was just that, yeah, I could go with that. Enough of them that, you know, mathematically there's 20 people, and about uh, 12 of them would have gone with that, and it would work. So all the person who submitted the bill had to do was go through a little official process of going down to the appropriate bureaucrat and saying, please strike out this sentence, and then take that piece of paper to the chair of the committee and say, oh, you know, I'd like to submit a, a little amendment to my bill. That's all it would have taken, and then the sort of standard procedure and rules would have gone into effect, and the first thing that they would have talked about when it came to decide what to vote on for that bill would have been, oh, the prime sponsor has this proposed amendment, and it would have been the amendment that most of the people were wanting, and that the Civil Liberties Union said it was a good idea, the Liberty Alliance said it was a good idea, and it would have been real easy, and that would have come out ought to pass, and it would have been that simple. But, but, but 
the guy, even though I a nice guy, great guy, always votes the right way, super guy, and you, like you could no more be angry at the guy than angry at like someone's nice grandfather, you know. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do it. Instead, he kind of showed up at the hearing, even though at, at their it's not that they're hearing at, when they vote on the bill. When it's not really open to the public, it's just that committee votes among themselves, mm-hmm. kind of like waving his piece of paper that hadn't been properly signed and trying to get the attention of the chair of the committee who runs a really tight ship and doesn't like any of this, anything not in the process. And so the chair pretty much told him, nope, we don't recognize you, you're not on the committee, sit down, you know, go away. And the committee talked amongst themselves about stuff that had nothing to do with the bill, and someone on the committee had a different amendment that made everything very confusing, and the whole thing just went down in flames. Um, At the end of the day, the people that are on the committee that are hardcore and with us, of which there were like five or six, you know, that's cool. They voted for the bill anyways. But those extra three or four votes that we needed... They couldn't vote for the bill as it was written. They wanted to see something like what we had talked about one-on-one. They wanted to see and some so, compromise, is, is what you're saying. Yeah, they wanted to see a little bit of compromise. We would have gotten you know, what I think would be an awesome victory, like, hey, at least you can go to court knowing. Like, if you do, say, a, an act of civil disobedience, you can explain the whole Rosa Parks situation. Mm-hmm. You can explain the whole prohibition situation to the jury. And the yep. judge, according to the law, you know, kind of has to let you. That would have been great. That, that would have been great. I think that... Uh, I think that it's important that if you're going to be engaging in politics, compromise is part of that. Uh, there was a there was a, something that was proposed here at the local cable access channel as far as tightening the uh, the mature uh, content policy. And of course, I said that well, ideally, I would be in favor of having no policy, but I'm willing to meet in the middle at uh, at having uh, you know just banning. Because the proposal was to ban all nudity, all uh, profanity, all sex, and all graphic, uh, extreme graphic violence from the daytime hours. There was you could still do all of that stuff at the during the overnight. And I said, well, I'd like to you know have it all, be an all out all the time, but you know I'm willing to see just the graphic uh, sex and the or the sex and the uh, the graphic violence ban. But I don't agree with having uh, ban- nudity and and uh, profanity ban because you know there could be news uh, newscasts that include those things or. Whatever I had my reasons for it, and unfortunately, I was the only one to vote to, to vote against it. Everybody else didn't didn't care about that. But but the point is, you know, even I was willing to uh, to make a compromise. But I think it's important to come to the table with something principled, and then be willing to uh, to compromise down from that. Whereas coming to the table with the most watered down compromised legislation, I don't think works. And I think what you're talking about here is an example of how it could have worked. He came in with something that was fairly principled but wasn't willing to water it down enough to where something would have gotten through. Or in this case, just didn't dot I's and cross. It wasn't wasn't willing, just didn't do the stuff, didn't so was, follow through. He was just too lazy then is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Okay. Disorganized. <laughs> Thanks, Dennis, for the uh, the updates. Just why we need uh, more people to get here and to get active and to, uh, to get out there and do stuff. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Of course, we're talking about the Free State Project. We'll tell you more about that coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. 
259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And those features include our Facebook profile. You can go to facebook.freetalklive.com and become a fan there. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. And for those of you that are in college and thinking about what you're going to be doing this uh, this summer, and you probably should, go to libertarianinternships.com. They have uh, internships in public policy, journalism, production, and, uh, you know, this is video production, online production, all kinds of alternative media stuff. Go there to libertarianinternships.com, see what their opportunities are. You'll have to sign up for an account to get all the information, but they got the, the teaser information there for you. Um, you get a, a stipend, which means you get paid, and... You, there's ha- housing assistance and and, and uh, seminars to teach you how to do stuff. It's put on by the Institute for Humane Studies, libertarianinternships.com. We were just talking with uh, Dennis Goddard from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, talking about a particular jury nullification bill up here that uh, unfortunately went down in flames, but it looked like it had a good chance. And it was, well, next year they can bring it up again. Is it next year? I thought they'd wait two years. It depends on how it uh, how it gets shot down, but if it was voted inexpedient to le- legislate, I think they have to wait two years. Now, is that the exact same bill? What if you bring up a different bill that has the same purpose? If it uh, if it's exact, if it's, I would think that you would have to wait two years. Would be my thought. So no matter even if you change the wording, even if you change is that the- what you want them to do with seatbelts? No, no, I don't. No, I don't. okay. I, I think that it has to be every two years. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, he was giving us an example of how it is that somebody dropped the ball, and as a result, uh, jury nullification failed this year. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a slow process turning the political ship of state around. I think it's possible. I think it's doable here in New Hampshire. I don't think there's any chance for it uh, in many other places. That's one of the main reasons why I came up here, because there was no hope for liberty down in Florida, uh, which is where I was born and raised. And up here, I see that. I see hope. I see people getting active in a way that has never happened before. And I see it happening in politics, and I see it happening in civil disobedience. That never happened before where I came from. People tried politics and uh, failed at it, and they're trying here, and they're actually having some success. So come on up. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more about the movement of thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people all converging to the same place here in New Hampshire at freestateproject.org. As we continue, uh, you can bring up whatever might happen to be on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. Now, Wayne, you had something here tonight from Jacob Hornberger over at the Future of Freedom Foundation. That's talking, right. Talking about the uh, Toyota situation with uh, the recalls and the sticky accelerators or the alleged sticky accelerators. Yes. He says, why didn't the nanny state protect us from Toyota? Would someone please explain to me how it's possible that millions of Toyota vehicles that had that accelerator problem? I thought the federal government was supposed to keep us safe from these sorts of things. Consider, for example, this page. He references a page which contains the Federal Vehicle Standards and Regulations issued by the Office of Vehicle Safety Compliance. Mm. Safety Assurance Section. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration of the U.S. Department of Transportation. It states, these requirements are specified in such a manner that the public is protected against unreasonable risk of crashes occurring as a result of the design, construction, or performance of motor vehicles and is also protected against unreasonable risk of death death or injury in the event crashes do occur. Indeed, what about those much-vaunted car safety inspections where people have to wait in line for about an hour or two to get their cars inspected 
and of course hand right, over from state some, to state. <laughs> yeah, hand over some moolah to the state for the privilege of having a pretty decal on in, their windshield. In some places, the state does the inspections. I think Maryland is one of those places. Up here in New Hampshire, it's private uh, auto dealers or private garages that. It's do the still just a. It's just a perfunctory kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. they, you know, you're just going in there and paying forty dollars to get a sticker. No, That's for, right. No, they're I mean, going to find things that are wrong. They do a certain wrong. amount of stuff, but you know, it's is it really making the vehicle safe? What about this? Yeah, there's, since they're supposed to ensure that our cars are safe, hey, they call the safety inspection sticker, right? Then how is it possible that people have been driving millions of cars that are obviously unsafe? Do you see the problem? It's we need actu- more regulation. That's the problem, <laughs> Wayne. There's just not enough. But it's actually the same problem with respect to hundreds of millions of dollars lost by investors in the Bernie Madoff scandal. How is it possible that such a scandal occurred? Wasn't everybody in Madoff's line of work subject to federal regulations ensuring that this sort of thing wouldn't happen? Or how about the recent bouts of salmonella poisoning from hamburger meat? How is this possible? Isn't the meat industry... Close, uh, closely regulated by the federal officials? Well, you're not being fair, Wayne. See, I mean, all these regulations are keeping people safe. It's just that you can't get, you can't catch everything. So we just need more regulations. We need more regulation, of course. <laughs> he hasn't answered that objection. I hope he does. But go ahead. Doesn't the food in the Food and Drug Administration include beef? Uh, isn't the purpose of such regulations to ensure that the public is not subjected to these sorts of things? As we libertarians have been pointing out for decades, the paternalistic state is nothing more than a big fraud and sham, one designed to convince people to fund a gigantic, bureaucratic, parasitic state that will keep them safe from the vicissitudes of life. Yet, as people once again learn, all those beloved regulations and regulators don't keep people safe at all. Bad things continue to happen in life, as they always will. The nanny society can't stop that. Nope. Unfortunately, the problem... In the problem, same way they can't stop terrorism and all that stuff, too. Exactly. Unfortunately, the problem does, uh, doesn't just involve parasitic bureaucrats sucking hard-earned money out of people's pockets under the pretense that they're keeping them safe. It's much worse than that. The nanny state lulls lots of people into peaceful state of innocent bliss in which they think they're being kept safe from the hazards of ordinary life. Mm. Thus, people become less cautious and more gullible and thus are less safe than they would ordinarily be. Absolutely. There's, there are studies that show, uh, they've, they've done these, I think, over in Denmark, that show that when you remove things like road signs, safety signage from, uh, from, the side, from the side of the road, that people actually drive more cautiously and uh, accidents go down. And that um, you know, when people wear seatbelts, that in fact they, are, they drive less cautiously. Yeah. And if you want to, uh, you know, some people tend to doubt that statistic. I did at one point. If you, if you doubt that, imagine how much more safely people would drive if there was a giant metal spike sharp right on the, the middle of the uh, the steering column. I mean, suddenly people would start driving a little yeah. more, more cautiously. Instead, they have a federally mandated airbag that they right. know will go off if they hit anything. Right, and can kill, kill kids. And can kill kids or them sometimes, too. What is the libertarian solution? A complete separation of the economy and the state, in uh, one in which government has no more power to regulate economic activity than it does regulate religious activity. Would there still be safety defects, stock market frauds, and other such bad things? Sure, just as there are today. But the difference would be that people would tend toward developing a keener sense of of self-responsibility and caution in their lives, knowing that the nanny state wasn't purporting to take care of them. Moreover, the free market, free as in uh, free of all government control, 
provides its own self-correcting mechanism that tends to toward keeping people safe. Yes. Consider Toyota. It's moving quickly toward finding a solution to the accelerator problem, not because some federal bureaucrat is ordering it to. It's doing it because of the threat of lawsuits and failing customer demand for Toyota vehicles. In the free market, the consumer is the ultimate sovereign. If consumers stop buying Toyota vehicles... Toyota goes out of business, yep. no matter now, how big think, or wealthy it is today. And I think that there's uh, you know, something to be said for what Jacob's saying here. However, I would like to point out, it's not like this is the first thing Toyota's heard about this. This isn't their, the, the oh my God, and they reacted and they, they fixed the problem. Um, you know, This was where the formula sort of worked out, where it was cheaper to ignore the problem um, and pay off whatever lawsuits that might have sprung up around it than it was to, to, to do this recall of just... Uh, hundreds of thousands of vehicles? I mean, it's an incredible recall that millions, they're talking I about here. Millions, uh, yeah, a few million. A, a bunch of vehicles, um, and you know, it's going to be a very expensive recall. And the reason I think that this is so, that the, the Toyota didn't react in this fashion and just uh, went about this formula, was because they are not personally, the executives that made these decisions are not personally responsible mm. for their actions because they're protected by the governments, um, you know, uh, Corporation, incorporation uh, laws, so they don't have the liability that they normally would, uh, that they would for their own actions. There's more to the story, right? Yes. All right, we're going to come back with it here in moments. 800-259-9231. Can the marketplace keep people safer than the government regulatory agencies? Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but enough time for your call. If you make it now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where we give you the features for free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy the program, you like uh, what we're doing here with Free Talk Live, you want to help support the show, you can shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It's Amazon, the world's largest internet retailer. You can probably buy whatever you're looking for. They have dozens of categories, even used items. So head on over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and get your shopping done. Now, one thing you can't get at Amazon is Manchester Brewing. Manchester Brewing Beer. Made by introverted geeks with poor social skills and strong right arms. Learn more at ManchesterBrewing.com. Yum. As we continue, uh, Wayne, you've been sharing with us a story from Jacob Hornberger over at the Future of Freedom Foundation, who, by the way, will be appearing, as I understand it, at this year's 2010 Liberty Forum happening in March here in uh, beautiful New Hampshire, Nashua, New Hampshire, Crown Plaza Hotel, spend a weekend with Free Talk Live and hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented people, people like Jacob Hornberger, William Norman Grigg from LouRockwell.com, Andrew Napolitano from Fox News, and a number of other uh, folks there with uh, a pro-liberty mindset all hanging out, partying at the same hotel and having a convention during the daylight hours. It's a a great time. Go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to learn more, and you can use the code FTL to get a 10% off on the early bird discount rates over at freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. But let's continue the discussion here. It's about regulations, and he's pointing out that, uh, well, wait a minute, how come these government regulations that we have, I mean, millions of them out there, costing who knows how much money, the price of a car, you're specifically talking about Toyota at one point in the story, I'd be interested to see what price, what the percentage of the price of a car today is actually compliance with government regulations. 
You know, I, I understand that there's parts that are put into these cars, like catalytic converters, for instance, that are mandated by the federal government. So you're probably looking at hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on the, uh, the, the purchase price that are essentially – they shouldn't be there. Otherwise, in the absence of the government regulations, they, they might not actually be there. And actually, in the absence of government regulation and government collusion and favoritism towards certain industries, you might not even be running a, con- uh, a internal combustion engine today if you had a real free market in both energy mm. and transportation. Right. I think that the you know the marketplace may very well come up with more effective uh, you know sort of uh, devices to make the cars run more cleanly. The fact is now you have to have a catalytic con- converter, and who is uh, who's who's to say the catalytic converters are the the best thing to keep cars running yeah. clean? I mean, that's 40-year-old technology. That's a great point. So, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I think that uh, if people were able to hold executives and corporations responsible for, uh, you know, what it is that they produce, the decisions they made, that you might see better um, regula- stuff. And But the, the thing is, is about the regulation is, is sort of the compliance with the inspectors and things like that. It's trying to get through, get your vehicle through these government systems, and that's what can be most costly. That's right, because if you're an international company like Toyota, <clears throat> there are different regulations in America than there are in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, for example, just bumpers alone, you've got to have a bumper that's much different than it would be in Europe. That The regulations are very strict in the United States. But about three years ago or so, I remember that Toyota seemed to make a conscious effort to, to try to overtake General Motors as being the number one manufacturer in the world. Now, they chose that, obviously, but they let their quality slip, and you're seeing the effects of that now. Mm. But for them to actually grow to that point, they had to do it in a, uh, because of quality. That's how they got to where they were. And, and they're going to get back on track, trust me on this, because they are a very honorable group over in Japan. That's how Japanese corporations act in a very honorable way. The executives do. And I think that they just got a little too big for their britches, and I think their priorities were wrong for a while, and, and they'll get back on track. So what's the rest of the story here, Wayne? Well, basically, uh, Jacob uh, concludes the article by saying the nanny state, like the socialistic welfare state, has proven to be a disaster and a fiasco, and an expensive one at that. It's time the Americans restored a genuine free market society to our land by separating the economy and the state. Well, I'm not sure that uh, I, probably the only time there was a rest, uh, you know, there'd be a free market in this society was before, uh, in this continent was before people came here. Maybe the Indians had yeah. a free market, but more so than we did, right? Because the Europeans tended to be control freaks. But certainly, um, the you know the, the colonists had a freer market than they had over in England and, and uh, you know the West. The West might have been. I mean, the actual West, uh, the frontier might have been more free market yeah. than. Uh, oh than yes. Places. So, uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely agree with the conclusion, but I don't think he really addresses, and, and maybe it wasn't his intention, but I don't think he really addresses one of the big objections that people have when you talk about getting rid of government regulations, and that is, a, well, well, how are we going to be kept safe? I mean, because they believe that, that, people believe because they've been sold this bill of goods that, well, government's here to keep you safe, and we do it over here on the terrorism front, we do it over here on the, uh, the vehicles, and we do it in the food and drugs. And so they believe that all of this must be doing something. They believe that it must be having some sort of a positive effect. And, yeah, sure, mistakes are going to happen. The regulators can't catch everything. Uh, so more regulations are, are necessary in order to stop these problems. And, of course, we're sitting here saying, well, no, 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 not more regulations, more freedom. And that 
to some people, sounds very scary. It mm-hmm. sounds like, oh my gosh, you guys are crazy. I mean, if we just let people make whatever products and sell whatever products they want to, then there'll be all kinds of scam artists out there taking advantage of people and, and using inferior quality and, and ripping people off. And you know, Because their, their viewpoint of the business owner is that the business owner is trying to pull one over on you and at, you know, at any point in time will do whatever they can to screw over their customers. It's a very negative mindset, but one that exists probably because of government indoctrination. Sure. But, you know, there's a small percentage of people that will do that. But if you want to have a long-term viable business, then you have to satisfy your customer and you have to treat them right. That's the that's a fact of life in business. So, yeah, you're going to have people, but you have people doing that now. Look at, Bernie, look at Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff, the, the, the financial industry is one of the most heavily regulated industries we have, and yet that still happened. This man was the chairman of the NASDAQ. So if you're going to invest money, you see this guy who's got this firm, he's the chairman of the NASDAQ, aren't you going to think, well, they're probably safe? I mean, he's connected, right? Mm And as it turns out, he was a scam yeah. artist just the same. You're right. There's no shortage of scam artists out there, whether we're talking about someone as, as noteworthy, if you will, or as big name well, as a Bernie Madoff. Well, the biggest scam artist in the world, um, in America ever, was uh, prior to Bernie Madoff, was this fellow named Ponzi. I can't remember what his first name Charles was. Charles Ponzi. Charles Ponzi. And, um, well, he was so successful, the United States government decided to, uh, to, to base its social security system on <laughs> his scheme. In fact, if you look up what a Ponzi scheme is, mm-hmm. and then look up Social Security, you'll find out that it is, in fact, a Ponzi scheme. And, uh, it, I, you know, so... Uh, who's the biggest scam artist? The government. Who are the, the scam, scam artists here? I mean, Obviously, the, the people that are protected from um, from their uh, the consequences of their actions are going to be the worst scam artists, and that's what we've got. Clearly, clearly, that's all true. But the the objection still needs to be, I think, addressed, and that is that well, well, what about those people? How would they be dealt with? Okay, let's acknowledge they're going to exist either way. Clearly, they're here today. Scam artists are all over the place. It's still fraud. I mean, one of the primary Rules, even in a free society, is you don't perpetrate fraud or force against other people. So okay, that's that, one that thing. That is fraud. That's one thing. And the other thing uh, is, so you could suggest there would be judicial remedies to that in courts and uh, arbitration, things like that. But you can also point out that the marketplace does the best regulation. When it's allowed to do so, the marketplace does this. And we, I think we touched on this last on, the, on last night's program in that uh, there are companies like UL, Underwriters Laboratories, and there's also ETL. That's another one. Uh, there, are, there are a number of them out there. Uh, Zagat's for uh, for restaurants and various different uh, different uh, certification organizations that companies submit their products to for the seal of approval because it's just not enough for company. For a company, no matter what their reputation, it's just not enough for them to have a good reputation and market their products. The Better they Business to, Bureau is a great one. They have to, That's another one. Mm-hmm. They have to have somebody else stand behind them and say – somebody else with a wider reputation stand behind them and say, yes, we've looked at this product. It is a good product. We're putting our seal of approval on it. Otherwise, it won't be marketed. If Black & Decker makes a new coffee maker and they don't go through the UL uh, process to get it uh, sealed, then Walmart is not going to stock the Black & Decker coffee maker. And by Even co- if they've already stocked a whole bunch of other coffee makers made by that same brand. If it does, right. if that one model doesn't have that seal, it will not make it to the shelf. So that's one example of how the marketplace on its own self-regulates to, ke- to keep people safe. By contrast, look at all the drugs that have been approved by the FDA, a government agency, that have killed or maimed people. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so because you don't they have don't have to, to worry, by the way, they don't have to worry about commercial success at the FDA. 
So therefore, it doesn't matter if one slips by the cracks. They don't have to worry about being defunded by the marketplace. Exactly. Whereas if UL makes a mistake, then they're they're on the line. Their reputation is on the line. And so they're very cautious about putting their, their seals of approval on things. Hey, we've got to give you a tote sack before we head out the door here. Uh, we're going to give you a special contest line. It's 603-435-1105. 603-435-1105. And we're going to give a two-pack of the tote sack away to caller number two. 603-435-1105. It has been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And we'll be joining you again tomorrow night. So join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. 603-435-1105. Call now to win a tote sack. Uh, excuse me. Is this where I... Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you.